Wash your face is coming straight to your ears. A podcast network that's changing gears with the Brand X Pod and Nerd Wells. The horribly awkward pod. Horribly gamers as well. The Tavern Pod. Please comedy. A six pod network family. www.hushyourface. www.hushyourface. www.hushyourface.com. On this week's episode of Horribly Awkward, we find out why you should not bring a bag of flaming hot Cheetos with you to church. And also, is poutine really a food? And building on that, the cheeses of the Roman Empire. We also find out why you shouldn't let your grandma play VR while she's standing near a rooftop. <laughs> I'm done. I'm sorry. My, my brain's already picturing poor grandma. First of all, she's been doing VR for so long, she's just naked. The muumuu has melted off, and then she's just tumbling off the roof. Just, just scabs. All of this I and just... more on this week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, this is Maggie Carr from Maggie vs. Evil Dead. You can look it up on YouTube and God have mercy on your soul because you're about to listen to Sean on Horribly Awkward Podcast. Hey, what's up? This is Sissy Jones from Firewatch. I'm Delilah. I hate to tell you guys, but the rumors are not true. Sean is not horribly awkward. You've all been terribly misled. Hey, y'all, this is Lou Temple. You know me as Axel on The Walking Dead. And soon as Psycho Head, Rob Zombie's new movie, soon to be released, 31. And you're listening to the Horribly Awkward Podcast. Keep tuning in. Follow me. Hey, this is Dragonfly from Pure Gasmic Love. And you are listening to the Horribly Awkward Podcast. It's time to get awkward. Horribly Awkward Improv. Action. Man. Yes. Yes, Sean. Um... Was uh, sorry, dude. Uh, I I woke up out of the cryo early. I'm sorry about that. We're actually a hundred years early. I, and I oh, no. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't want to do this alone, so I got you out. Are you feeling okay? Uh, we're we're a hundred years before we're supposed to reach Andromeda. Yes, yes, yes. Um, all my family. I'm never gonna see them. My child. Oh, my man. brood. I'm sorry, God dude. I couldn't do this it, alone. Man. I couldn't do this alone. But I I. I don't know, it's kind of weird. It's just us two guys. We need to wake a chick up. Wait, what about this one over here? Let's read the name. Frida. She sounds like she could hang with us. Um, well, I don't know. Let's wake her up. Let's Wait a minute. Do you not operate one of these things? Because uh, you're just a chef. And I, you know, I, I woke up and I don't feel that good. And I don't think I want to do that to another innocent you. You know what? Let's just do it anyway. I pushed the button. I pushed the button. Back up. Back up. Uh, uh, where am I? What? Uh, ooh, this is Are off. we there? Did, did, did we did we make it? Is this Andromeda? Uh, okay. Well, I'm going to go get us some food. And uh, my friend here is going to explain the situation. Oh, hey. Uh, sorry. I, I, yeah, we're here. Are you, are you a medical officer? No, I'm not at all. I'm actually just a cook. Who's up Something? for some live drack? <laughs> nothing uses tensions like live drack, huh? So uh, Did something go go wrong? Where's the where's the usual people? Where's the all the official staff that are we're supposed the, to be checking? We're the advanced scout team, right? Oh, yeah, we're the know. advanced path pathfinder scout team and uh we we woke up a hundred years early to kind of check things out isn't that right did yeah. like 
eight different people die before it got down to to the cook chefs being the advanced scout team? Well, wait a second. I'm a security officer for one. Oh, and, oh, excuse me. Yeah, thank you. Uh, unless you think Krogans can't be leadership, which is a whole other racial issue altogether. But uh, I'm not racist. I'm not racist. Well, you came out of the cryo just flying out with the Krogan anti. Uh, no, I don't see species. I don't see species. I just see. I just don't see, see species. All right, you guys well, got to get along. Check it out. Um, right. I'm gonna scan. I'm gonna scan the area. Look for some medical officers. Look, because we got to make sure we're, we're we're good to go. Our health. Is stable and we're able to uh, walk around and, and stuff. Let me let me just check out my my scan. Wait, where is my scanner? Do you oh, want shit. clothes or something, Frida? Because I mean, what? I'm not. Where the what? Why am I naked? What? Okay. <laughs> I went to sleep. I went to sleep in a jumpsuit. This is. Excuse me. This is not. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I I've got to get on my suit as well. My my Krogan stuff is just flying in the wind. So I'll yeah. I'm just gonna. I don't see species. I don't see genitals. I don't judge. <laughs> oh, you, you wouldn't be able to see that Krogan piece, anyways. Guys, my scanner. I can't find my scanner. I'm looking. Um, I don't know where it's at. Is it? Who has a scanner? We need to scan this area. All right. Well, here's the game plan. I say we go to the bridge, check things out, see where we're at, and then we go from there. Uh, sh- sure. What bridge? And the E-wing. We're on a ship, aren't we? Is that we're on the on the Tempest, aren't we? Dude, I'm a cook. I don't know all these code words. You're talking about bridges, and I'm thinking about back, back, back in the day. You know, Earth Realm and stuff. Cash, damn it. Okay, well, Ryder, I mean Frida, uh, I'm gonna put you in charge because I honestly don't know where I'm at, and you're a science officer, so you know if, if you could kind of lead this party, I think uh, it'd be better for all of us. Well, the first thing is, why are we the only ones awake on this ship? I mean, this is a cryo bay with, like, hundreds of bodies. What's going on? I mean, I'm way down on the priority list. Don't know. You gotta get over that, Frida. It's just, it's the way things are. Ah. (laughs) And, uh, okay. Mm. My friend here thought you were hot, and we unfroze you. So, there you go. That's the story. Now we gotta move forward. Okay, that's not creepy. I, I, nope. I, I didn't do nothing. Nope, 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 dude. I was, no. You just woke up out of cryo. And then we were walking by, and her pod just opened, so it surprised us all. So maybe everyone's pods are going to open any minute now if we just wait. Guys, guys, my scanner's working, and I see a Ket ship approaching. I don't even know what Ket are. It's just coming up as Ket. Do we... What are we going to do, guys? Is it a typo? Are you sure it's not Cat? Maybe it's just Cat. Nope. Maybe it's just a Cat. It's a Cat ship. Oh, this is going to be so cute. We should go meet this Cat ship. I know all about CAT scans, I can tell you that. I heard Andromeda, the initiative, sent forward a ship full of cats to populate its own planet with a cat pathfinder. Oh, this will be real cute, guys. You know, that is automatic rotor control. Yeah, I think I think we should meet this cat ship. Okay, ship. open the door, ship. open the door. Go ahead, man. Uh, no, I'm not in charge. Frida, <sighs> you open this door. You're, you're, you're the one responsible for this cat ship. <sighs> Well, I've been naked this whole time, so if y'all excuse me, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna Is go there find anybody the in there? Hello? Hello? Oh. oh, it's one of them talking cats. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm a cat, not a cat. Uh, wait. I- I'm confused. Is this a cat ship or a Hello? cat ship? Hello? Uh, can you let me in? I see you got a cook in there and I'm hungry. Everyone stand still to go away. Uh, I see you guys. You're just standing still. I can see, I can see through this window. 
I was Lurch. looking at cat idea, but cat, talking cats are, are a no-go. That's, that's too much. And scene! <laughs> hey, Norma, give us a horribly awkward. Horribly awkward! Horribly awkward! That's horrible. <laughs> I can't even control myself. It's so horribly awkward. 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 <laughs> Sean, dude, you're horribly awkward. Sean, I know you think this is weird, but it's not as weird as you think it is, dude. Don't think that it's awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Horribly Awkward episode 87. Stick around after the podcast for some bonus stuff. I guess, yeah, we talked a little bit before the podcast. Check it out, check it out. I am Sean. I was given that name moons ago, and I liked it, so I kept it. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. I do appreciate it. If you like what you hear, tell a local Pathfinder or anyone you might bump shoulders with on the Nexus. Upload it to your Sam or even send an awkward email from those terminals. Because word of mouth is a beautiful thing. So use what your mama gave you. And I'm not talking about your booty. I got a voicemail number, so say some stuff and I'll play it for you. If you want, you want to call up the show and just say... Sean, what were you thinking? You're always doing weird shit. Say that. I'll play it. I love it. I love you guys. That voicemail number is 510-600-3475. And as always, you can find that down below in the description. So if you're out slaughtering cute, lovable, and innocent cat, check back when you're done. You can also reach out to me the old-fashioned way at horriblyawkwardpodcast at gmail.com. On today's show, it's been a while since I've had him on the show, and a ton of shit has happened since the last time, because it's been over a year. Uh, Canadian, podcaster, narrator, uh, now, I guess he's claiming to be a voice actor, from the super popular No Sleep podcast, Mr. Matt Bradford! Hey, guys! And ZombieCast, don't forget ZombieCast. Zombiecast, yeah, I forgot about that one. That's right. I'm just That's kidding. right. I feel, you know, I feel really awkward saying I'm a voice actor with the guest we have on tonight. So I'm going to say I'm like um, a wannabe. A, not, yeah, wannabe Inspiring. or what? Are, what's what's in the Mass Effect universe? What's like an up and coming guy called? A rookie. Ensign. A voice acting ensign. Wow. Jerk. Yeah. Wow. So Matt. So yeah. Yeah. For yeah. sure. So I did bring somebody who's an actual voice actor. She's fantastic <laughs> at her job, and you could probably learn a, a few things from her. You definitely it's can. The only reason I'm on this cast right now, buddy. Yeah. I mean, she has. She played Mira in in uh, Killer Instinct. She's her voice is in Fallout Four, Evolve, Octodad, Street Fighter Five. Uh, po- she plays Poison Ivy in DC Super Friends. Which your kids should be watching that because you got a little kid and he likes cartoons. And mm. uh, let's not forget Call of Duty Advanced Warfare, Civilization, Beyond Earth. XCOM 2. XCOM 2, Final Fantasy 13, uh, Conan Exile, you know, the one with all the weird penises swinging around. Um, and most importantly, Mass Effect Andromeda. 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 Uh, big, big, super fail. Big. I, that's all I know is about fail. But anyways, uh, freaking Sarah Ryder is with us. Everybody, welcome, Freedom. Yeah. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, wow, wow. You sound so different. What a talent. Thank you. I have a very big range. 
<laughs> yeah, you yeah said it the- doesn't sound at all like right. Wow. No. This this is what I aspired to, man. Yes. When you are professional, you have a completely different voice. No, you're a professional. Don't do that. Some of the best advice I ever got very early on in my career was from Stephanie Shea, who's another uh, well-worked voice actor. Early on, this like, I don't know, seven years ago or something. And she's like, "Um, nobody treats you as a professional until you do. Until you decide, I'm a professional. No one's going to give you the time of day. In the same way where you will have relationships with shitty people until you think you deserve better. Um, it's a lot harder to establish yourself as a professional until you tell yourself, I am a professional. And if someone's paid you money to do something, guess what? Hmm. You're a professional. I've been paid so. money. That's that's fantastic advice. I like that, especially the relationship part. That's true. I mean, I, really I, I analogize a lot, but a lot of a lot of the way you treat yourself um, reverberates through just how life goes for you, the kind of jobs you accept, the kind of people you're willing to give the time to, the kind of um, jobs you attract or people you attract. It's, it's honestly all the same. So I love it. Pretty. Wow. And we got some actual advice on your podcast for once. I know. I feel like it only I took how many so episodes right now? Like I'm not getting paid <laughs> for anything. Like I, I need to change the name to my podcast, The Horribly Professional. Let me write this down. So Speaking I of being got... horribly professional, I should have asked, do you guys need me to record myself or are we good? Oh, no, no, no. We're, we're good. Okay. Just checking. Yeah, yeah. We're awesome. We, we got it. Yeah, we got it. Uh, I am, um, yeah, somehow I learned this technology thing. I don't know how I did it. And I've recorded like 87 episodes. Wait, did I even say episode 87 in the beginning? I hope I did. You did. You did. Okay. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Did I even say that? Yeah. So, so... <laughs> So I'm obviously awkward as shit, and we did that improv, which is it always feels weird until I go back and add sound effects, and then we're gonna sound like we're on an actual spaceship in Andromeda, and you're gonna be like, "Oh, that's that was cool." But before that, it's like, "Hmm, this guy's just uh, off his rocker." But why did I have to be naked though? That like, was who Matt's who thing. wakes up from cryo naked? I mean, even even in Aliens, everyone wakes up in their tidy whities at the I... minimum. I mean, do they make materials that can last 600 years is my question. I think without wear and tear and in that, you know, that suspended air and suspended animation bay should be okay. But I've never been through it, so I'm talking on my ass. I mean, I feel, and I have been through it personally, and I feel that (sighs) having skin, like I feel like your skin needs to breathe for that 600 years. I just don't, I, I think wearing clothes is impractical for a cryo situation. That's just me, though. Honestly, I was mostly thinking about what if you wet yourself in your sleep, in your sleep and you wake up to like 600-year-old pee. <laughs> that's true. I don't know. what that, That's my first concern. There yeah. are a lot of concerns about cryo-freezing. I think we should address this entire episode. Yeah, I don't know if I want to do it now because I had the opportunity to. And I don't know. <sighs> you can just walk in a big walk-in uh, freezer and just kind of hang out for a while until you pass out work. Yeah. Well, aren't there, there are actually cryogenic treatments now, right? Where you do stand up and you're like blasted with cold air. Oh, it's like yeah. ne- negative 200 degrees or some shit. Mm-hmm. No it's supposed thanks. to be therapeutic, but I'm not sure how other than you feel better for having paid a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> so Matt, Matt's from Canada where it actually snows. Frida and I are from California where, where when it gets like 50 degrees, we're like, oh, shit, it's cold. It's 50 degrees. Yeah, no, it's, I'm actually from Las Vegas, so L.A. is colder for me. Oh, Las Vegas is like, like 120. Yeah, I mean, if you if you grow up as a goth kid in Vegas, you're pretty hardcore. <laughs> Can I ask you about living in Vegas? Is it true where you just get so sick of the Strip, living in Vegas? No, no, not at all. Not, I mean, no? like I, I grew up on the Strip, so 
so first of all, Vegas is like LA or any other big hub city where every tour passes through there. Mm -hmm. Um, whether it doesn't matter if it's a concert, a musical, an opera, an art exhibition, it passes through there. So, um, we were pretty spoiled that way. Like I didn't realize how good I had it and how metropolitan the city was until I left. And the first time I left was to go to San Diego and that's like very, I was like living inside a loaf of white bread. It was so weird. <laughs> um, uh, but no, like we, like as kids, they actually, um, when I was in a teenager, so like in the, in the mid nineties, they actually instilled a curfew for the first time. Um, cause the casinos were getting fed up with all the teenagers ruining their casino ambiance. So they were kicking, <laughs> um, cops were looking for teens 16 and under on the strip after like nine o'clock or something like that. Oh, really? So they had to watch. It. Yeah. Cause they were looking and, and, uh, they were going to card us because if you were an out of towner and they're with your family, that's fine. But if you were a local kid, uh, you're, you're, you're cramping the style. So well, no. We did it. And they look, look, there was entertainment everywhere. The food was cheap. There was like free, free stuff to do to kill time, especially when you're when you're under 21, you know, and you can't drink, you can't gamble, you can't do anything fun. But you can like you can go get an ice cream and walk through a casino and stare at the tigers or something, you know, and like kill a day that way. But I imagine being the city of sin and being a goth kid, you had access to anything you wanted being in Las Vegas. Well, it's. It's not about having access. It's just like what was normal. Like I grew up yeah. with with marquees everywhere, especially in that era of like, you know, strippers and escort services. And um, and for me, that was just like completely normalized. Like I didn't I didn't really understand the sex worker industry or anything like that um, until like I adolescence, early 20s or like access to the Internet and stuff. But as a teen, it was just all normal. And then I grew up as a dancer kid and all my teachers were um, if they weren't older and retired they all taught kids during the day and then at night they would either um, dance in or be choreographers in shows on the strip. And that was, that was just normal to me, completely normal. And I grew up with it, like just like LA and Vegas, nobody who works on the strip. Um, well, that's not true. It's like sort of like the coal mining industry. Every, like my dad was a 21 poker player at the Mirage. Um, and then before that, like the golden nugget before that, the mint, which are all Steve Wynn um, or Steve Wynn casinos. Um, mm. So the locals either, especially during like the housing and industry boom in the seventies, um, you either work on the strip or you work in a lateral industry that supports the strip or a lot of the talent were just people from out of town who then, you know, put down roots, bought houses, had families and things. So I had just right. this very international metropolitan, all people, all colors, all sexualities from the, from time immemorial for me. And that, that was normal. So it was really weird for me to go from that when I was 18, I got my foot in the door with games and I moved to San Diego. Yeah. Um, and I was just in a really homogenized area of the city, the closer you get to the, bo the border, the browner it gets, the closer to Mexico, the more cultural <laughs> influences yeah. are here. And like, I'm half Mexican, but nobody knows cause I'm white. Um, <laughs> uh, but where I was, it was just, it was weird to see to have see more people who like had never who were from it had never left San Diego a lot like more like white surfer surfer culture stuff like that and less less international talent the best of the world coming nobody none of those people were coming to San Diego to settle down yeah right so um so that was a big culture shift for me um Baron Vaughn who's a a really close friend he's been one of my close friends since we were 13 we went to performing arts high school together and he's now uh, quite successful stand-up and actor he's in three simultaneous netflix shows he's in he's a principal in grace and frankie he's a principal in um the new uh, mystery science theater reboot <gasps> and um who's he in mystery science theater tom servo the the oh the voice yeah 
And okay, I also, watched the first episode. Yeah, and he also co-wrote because he's another uh, comic, mm-hmm. um, and he's he like he just did a, a Mark Mark Marin what the fuck podcast and talking about growing up in Vegas. People are so fascinated because they don't realize that like people live in Vegas. Yeah, but, like who do you think you know keeps the power on? <laughs> like <laughs> well, you can I, off the strip in any direction. It's just suburbia. I've been nine times, but I've never ventured. I mean, I'm the typical tourist. So I'd have, the most I ventured is two streets away to a cheap hotel, but I've never been to like the houses or seen the real Las Vegas. So it, it just baffles my mind that real people live around Las Vegas because it feels so fake, not fake feels so. Well, it is, it is fake. Like it's, yeah. you know, the, the strip is designed as a Disneyland for adults. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's all, you know, it's all in min- like in New York in in miniature and, and all propped and scale and designed for you to spend your money, but then go in any direction away from that. And it's just people living their lives. So for for me, when I go back, it's like I got to hit all my local joints, like all the places like my my 24 hour place where all the kids would hang out and have like really good food, which is Blueberry Hill. That's a franchise in Vegas or um, best Mexican restaurant in Vegas is Lindo Michoacan, which has which started as like a tiny, tiny, tiny hole in the wall place next to a fish market. The guy, the owner. I mean, I was there since like since he had his green card wedding. And (laughs) since then, they have like. Four or five locations in Las Vegas. Like they actually boomed through word of mouth before Yelp um, since like the early 90s because the food's so damn good. So, I mean, for, for Real, me, the Vegas experience yeah. is, is, you know, visiting all the local places that I know are, are where the party's at. The most foreign Vegas experiences, I went with my buddy. I think we just turned 21 and we're like, we're going to do it. We're going to go off strip and we're going to go to one. It's going to sound right. We're going to go to one of those massage parlors. You know, we're going to do know. it. We're. We're Canadian guys. We've never really done anything adventurous. We got to this really seedy place, and it's just inside. There's just this woman just like, how much for both of you? I'm like, and then we just booked it out of there. We're just like, this is too much for that. We just went back to like, I think we were staying at the uh, the Tropicana at the time. But that, that was the closest we got to um, off strip, and we got scared. And we ran back. You should. If you go that deep into the, the sex work industry, like I don't speak for sex workers. I don't yeah. know any person. But like, unfortunately, when you get into a weird vibe to it, well, when you get into places like that, a lot yeah. of those women are trafficked. They're victims yeah. of human trafficking um, yeah. and they're essentially, you know, indentured slaves. So you're supporting the slave industry. Like, what are you going to do? That's that's vice. But anyway, no, yeah. that's, that's, um, that's good. When you're 21, you're naive and uh, you, you don't think of the bigger picture. And we just got a really creepy vibe out of it. And we just got out of there. That's the right thing to do. aside from the legal the moral yeah the moral bit's murky it's very different if you're if you're an entrepreneur and you know and you scan your clients through square on your phone versus you know being stuck in in a in a place that you didn't want to be so sorry i brought good for you for being a good canadian vegas awkward canadian saves the day i've only been there a couple times one time we drove from uh, fresno to vegas and we went for like three hours and then drove back which was insane because it's like an eight hour drive or seven hours (sighs) that is worth a drive though it's through the desert it's amazing from one hot place to another yeah here at fresno it's hot too summer's like 110 it's not quite quite Mm. as hot as vegas but it's just that desert hot steam so uh let's talk about some Let's, Frida, Frida, from for one, uh, me and Matt are both playing Mass Effect. We're both pumped on it. We're the we're the we're the ones who love it, and we're both playing it properly, properly, proper. Fuck my words right now. Properly, properly. is I think. Yeah. I know, I know. Properly, 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 properly. It's a very ploppy game. Yeah, it's plop plop. Super ploppy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we're playing with female writer, who is obviously your voice, and uh, I I love her. 
uh, it's kind of hard to explain her vibe. It's really like chill at most times, right? It's kind of mm-hmm. even when shit's like a get up against the wall and you're under fire. It's kind of chill. It's kind of like, yeah, we got this. Kind of cocky. It, it's chill but confident. I find I, I what I love is that she's kind of goofy, but where you could have gone or a buyer could have gone, like I'm just a girl in Andromeda. It's very much like when she needs to step up, she steps up, and I like that. I like those tones you bring to the like the really tense situations. Like I'm writer, but don't mess with me. Like I'm goofy, but don't mess with me. Mm-hmm. Well, we had a very specific arc um, yeah. because like it was. It's been. I mean, I'm. I'm not. I'm not a rock. I've seen all the com all the comments on the internet. All of them. All of yeah. them everywhere. Yeah. Um, and it's really humorous to me when I see people being like, ah, "It's just not Shepard." Good for you. You figured out that it's a new character in a new game. Wow. We were scared you wouldn't notice, but there it is. You figured it out. Um, like yeah. they didn't, they didn't, Bioware didn't want to do another Shepard because there'd just be no point. I'm like, I've made this analogy a lot. Um, I, I very much feel that Andromeda is to Mass Effect as, um, Force Awakens is to Star Wars. Like the the franchise is there; it's not going away. No one's erasing those characters and those stories for you. But also, you know, the thing made money, so people want to continue making material in that universe. Fans want to keep living in that universe. So let's do something else somewhere else with someone else. Great. Mm-hmm. Um. So there was there was no desire to repeat um any any places Shepard already already went like emotionally or like starting out with a similar uber competent um power fantasy character because Hmm. i mean i know people people want to live there but also no one wants to no artist wants to be told you know what you only do one thing and you're 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 kind of a wuss and you're not really trying anything new no one wants to hear that on any level even even if it's commercial work which a game is um so we have this very specific arc where like tom and i tom taylorson being scott writer were these really young uh, I know everything. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't know anything. Twenty uh, mm-hmm. somethings who are put into a position that they're not ready for, so that there's an arc. So you have a starting point and an end point. And throughout recording, pretty not too often, but every once in a while, Josh. Um, I worked with a bunch of directors, but mostly with Josh Dean. Um, just because the other directors were handling like um, the shorter, the shorter sessions or celebrity talent or whatever. And pretty often Josh would pull on the reins and be like, "Hey, you're getting a little too, you're getting a little too Shepherd there," only because it would sound too too mature too confident too all yeah. there too like i got this like save that for the end but we were very specifically instructed just to, like to be younger be more my naive be less competent in the beginning and really and really feel that oh shit i don't i don't know if i can do this so we can end mm-hmm. up some because if you start if you start perfect there's nowhere to go yeah and that's that's pretty boring like if you're always superman if, if superman's always superman and always knows he's superman then Go Superman. Go Superman. Well, what's, yeah. what's that term? And it's funny you mentioned Force Awakens. What's that term for a character that can do anything? And it's usually applied to female characters. What's it? Sarah. Sue. Mary Sue. Yeah. Is it Mary Sue? Mary Mary Sue is. Um. Yeah. I mean, off the top of my head, we can we can Google it. But it's it's yeah. supposed to be like the the author inserting themselves in a in a superhero. I can do right. everything. Jack of all trades. I'm magically perfect with no effort. Character, which right. uh. I just I feel like when people like a lot of people have made comments of um, how 
how desperately pins and needles uncomfortable they feel like awkward romances awkward hitting on people awkward delivery awkward oh i screwed up a mission of the character made them genuinely really upset really 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 mad and i'm like that says more about you than it does about the material it says you are uncomfortable deeply uncomfortable when you're put in a position of vulnerability Mm -hmm. which is sad for your life because (laughs) it is because only i mean and you can you can watch um brene brown is a very well-known um sociologist who's done some great ted talks i've read a couple of her books she's fantastic fantastic life advice and she's got a couple books and talks on the power of vulnerability and this is never this is not like Brene Brown is great because she's not guru, la, 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 the secret to your life talk. Like she's she's a data point researcher, sociologist who uses data points taken from anecdote, anecdotes so she can come up with like a scientifically rendered um, result versus like, I just feel like this is what works for your life. She's not, not a motivational speaker. So she talks about vulnerability. Growth only comes from discomfort. It's only when you're up against a wall and there's nowhere to turn to and like you there's no option but the hardest thing which is also a core element of storytelling storytelling the first act is is the protagonist being lazy lazy not dealing with it not dealing with it not dealing with it and then the climax the crux has to be has to be the reckoning where it's like okay you've you've exhausted all other options now you have to do the hard thing mm-hmm. and that's just true for people evolving in life like until until you get to that point where you have to do the hard thing you as a person will not grow Mm. whatever it is no I, matter how big or small the situation is you just you will not move forward definitely feeling that that's how this podcast started <laughs> definitely yeah yeah, yeah. Totally. I, just social totally. anxiety i couldn't i was i was actually afraid i was scared to get on skype and then i started doing the podcast started small with friends and started branching from there but i got to a point in my life where i was just like i'm such a hermit and i'm so afraid of people i need to do that it's exactly so I, and then now and look you've like, attracted actors and yeah, after now I feel like a I now I feel like a protagonist in this world. You are you are you are the protagonist in your own you are the protagonist in your own story, and um, actually, if you get Brene Brown's latest book, which is called Rising Strong, it is uh, it focuses very heavily on how 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 heavily humans rely on storytelling and narrative in order to cope and get through our own real lives. That's why storytelling exists because every writer is working out their own problems in anything they write. Even if they're like, this is totally removed. This is totally a fiction. eh, You're working out your issues, Mm -hmm. whatever they are. And just in, in, in a different universe with different characters, different voices, genders, whatever, but you're, you're working on your shit, but that's just inarguable. And she talks about how like she spent time with, um, Pixar studio heads and they would just compare notes on how like how Pixar builds a story it's the exact same beats of how a person just overcomes personal trials it, I mean it all goes back to like the Odyssey or something really mm-hmm. basic in like classic literature you have to have the same beats or else the the story the movie the book doesn't really resonate with you doesn't hit you because it just doesn't go through the same motions that you go through in your personal life. These are not things that like most people are cognizant of when they're sitting through a movie or playing a game or something. Writers are hyper aware of this because it's their job. Because mm-hmm. it's a good one. But um, yeah, so so with Andromeda, I felt like it was very, very pronounced of like, look, we're starting here and you're and you're supposed to be fish out water, inexperienced. I mean, and this is this is me riffing. Nobody's the, the only the writers know the truth, right? I mean, I was just given scripts and and had to make them real for myself. But I feel like up until that point, the writers probably had never had 
a real legitimate long-term relationship or romance. So they don't really know what they're doing and they don't know how to have a relationship and they don't know how to have, how to initiate that conversation, or at least for Sarah, when things are, you know, a little bit off and awkward and they don't really land because you don't mm-hmm. know what you're doing or um, trying to take control of situation. She's probably for Sarah, she's probably never been a manager of anyone before that point. So when she's, you know, having those meetings and people walk out and she's like, I'm, but I'm the, I'm the boss. I didn't say and, go. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it was so, it yeah. was so interesting to me on a, on a psychological level to see people online freak out. Like this is bullshit. She's so weak. She's so fucking stupid. Can't even lead anybody. No one listens to her. She get hit on anybody. Right. <laughs> I, actually, I actually confronted one of my, one of my friends who's a, a yeah. game, just like a um, shy, awkward, white, um, mid twenties game designer nerd who I saw him on Twitter mm-hmm. bitching about like, Oh my God. So, just like Sarah Ryder doesn't hit on anybody. I love him. I'm not going to name him, but I, I, I love yeah. him as a person. We get on fine. And I just saw yeah. him wincing about just, it's so cringy. Like maybe over dinner, who talks like that? And I was like, Hey buddy, how do you hit on people? He's like, um, <laughs> I pull out my phone and I show them my Twitter follower account. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. It's too real for you. It's too real for you. You're not you're you're not getting away from yourself and it's killing you. And I understand that. But but that means they're doing it right, because you should feel as vulnerable and as dumb as the character feels in that moment. Right. Interesting point, because the first I mean, the shepherds, they you had the perfect response to everything. You could either be the perfect, badass, sarcastic, perfect, confident leader, perfect romancer. But writer, man, like I, I've been romancing PB in the old uh, escape pod, and I'm just oh, like, yeah. man, she has she has no game. And uh, but it's endearing, first of all. But it, you can tell maybe some reaction to Andromeda is that people aren't being able to live out their macho fantasies or their superhuman fantasies. They're actually living a more kind of awkward, real person. I maybe think that makes for a better writer. I mean, there's a time and a place for everything. Like, look, those. Those steroid pumped up games where you can get away from yourself and live in God mode are always going to be there for you. Hmm. It just it doesn't have to be every game. And it, it gets I don't we're in this weird space because we have because we have to listen to everybody because of the Internet and YouTube comments and Twitter comments and everything is everywhere. Um, there's I feel like there's constant debate about what a game is. And that's where you come up with crap like it's a it's a it's a walking simulator. It's a fighting simulator. It's a swimming simulator. It's a space simulator. Like, just let it go. It's a game. If you're if you're engaged in doing things in a world that doesn't exist, you are playing a game. Just let it happen. Yeah, I, I love Mass Effect Andromeda. And I'll, I, I admitted this last week, and I'll be the first to admit it right now. When I played, when I started playing it, I was, I was also one of those people that were stuck on. This is not Shepard. This is not Garrus. This is not the old <laughs> crew. And I didn't like it. For 15 hours, I actually, I absolutely didn't like it. And then all of a sudden... Something clicked. This, this, I mean, this is totally my fault. It was, it was me resisting. That's all it was. And something clicked when I noticed when I was going back to the Tempest, I was like talking. I was going around and actually <laughs> engaging in dialogue with all the characters. And then, then all of a sudden it clicked. And I was like, this is the fucking best Mass Effect ever. And that, that's the way I feel right now. It's like, it is my favorite Mass Effect. I've never spent almost 100 hours on, a ma- on one Mass Effect game. I mean, that's like the total of all three of the old games put together is what I spent on Andromeda. And I really, really liked it. The voice acting was is like, it's, it's so good. It's, it's so good. Dan- Danielle's voice as Vetra is awesome. Um, Katie Townsend as, as Suvi. Uh, I wanted to romance her, but she wasn't digging it. I don't know why. Aww. 
Wait, is that the uh, is that the co-pilot? Yeah, like this. She has the Scottish accent. I, I kept I like it was nothing her. was engaging. So I went for PB. Obviously, PB's like funny and awkward, like I am, and a lot of energy and says weird shit. So I dig. I dug it. And but uh, but yeah, I don't know. Man. I I think Mass Effect and Drama to me personally is is the best one. I know Matt's still playing it, and uh, it. you have a lot of good stuff to look forward to. Like it, this, the whole like game just ends in a in a in a good way. You're like I can't wait for the next one. You know what I started doing with Mass Effect Andromeda? I had to train myself. Not like I was just going like, okay, mission, go to this guide point. Mission, go to this nav point. I just started going to the planets and just driving around until I came across something. And I think that's the best way to to do it. Just because I feel like the the game's more designed just to have those organic experiences. Like, oh, you ran across a, a guy in the desert who needs your help, which leads you to this mission, which leads you to this mission. Which begs the question, how big is the script for this game? Because you have to reply to a lot of different scenarios yeah i actually asked i'm not allowed to say exactly Uh so i'll give you a ballpark i keep a a business ledger of every single um session i do as should any independent business person because nobody's going to make sure you get paid better than you will no one will advocate for you harder (laughs) um so i track everything but i mean it's multiple hundreds of hours of recording um over a year and a half and i mean really adorably the last the last interview i did um I was asked, so did you did you do any get to do any other characters like like little characters like vendors like not even joking, yeah. not not for a second because we had a <laughs> the the goal post for every single four hour session was three hundred and fifty lines, um, which I rarely made because um, I like I gotta pee every uh, top of the hour. I'm like so voice actors, like I remember going to panels when I was yeah. younger when I was just in game development. I wasn't a voice actor yet, and I go to Comic Con panels, and I remember. I don't think I asked. I think somebody asked. So like, what's what's your special drink? Because people think there's like a lot of magic, like a lot of magical tonic yeah. gemstone items. Um, and I think it was. I'm pretty sure it was a panel with Wally Winger and a bunch of other people. And I just very distinctly remember Wally saying, "Water, water, water, and more water, and more water, and more coffee, water." Unless you're water. in it. No, well, no, no coffee. So what happens is I do okay, coffee. So when you talk constantly you are consuming more spit, more saliva than you are actually able to produce. So mm. everything starts getting grind, it's dry and that's when you start getting like really gross cracker sounds in your mouth. Everything's clicking and it's just like it's hard. Your voice starts going and all that stuff. You got to keep it lubricated with water. Tea and coffee are diuretics. They will they exacerbate your kidneys. You actually dehydrate faster just like alcohol, um, make you pee more, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Whatever you gain... Um, in like for tea, uh, like we use throat coat tea, throat coat tea, which is a a brand uh, name, but like it's yeah. got red slippery elm, which is the magical thing that um, gives you just like a little extra push. Yeah. Um, and then we'll use coffee when we're falling asleep. But what you gain in energy or in vocal ability, you're gonna lose in hydration anyway. So room temperature, water all the way. And as a result, um, pretty traditionally at the top of every hour, we get a pee break. Um, mm-hmm. Because we've already been doing the dance and we don't even realize it because we've been just slamming water the whole time. Uh, well, Tom, yeah. I was just going to say, Tom Taylorson is like a an insane distance runner. Um, so I would be like, guys, we're going to go. I got I to gotta pee. And they'd be like, well, Tom went like <laughs> two, like once, like two or three hours. I'm like, well, he's a martyr and I'm not. So I'm going. <laughs> I'm a human being. And sorry, yeah. Ems, I'm going to I'm going to bogart the voice acting questions because this is I've, I've got her in the room, man. I'm sorry. I've got to ask some of these rookie questions. Nah, man, this is right? good. This is how a conversation right. works, man. Do you know how to do a conversation in, in Canada? This is awesome. Well, no, because I mean, the, the coffee is funny. I, 
what I got to ask you is because like I'll do I get some gigs I can record for my home studio. or I'll get gigs I got to go to the city for. If I'm at my home studio, I obsess over every line. And so when you say you've got to hit a benchmark of 350 lines in four hours to me, I'm like, I'm going to go back and be like, can I do that one again? Like, how many times do you feel you have to do lines again or do you just let it go? Do you feel like I did that? 100 percent. Let it go. So um, I run in two different modes. The way I audition at home by myself is very different from how I work with a client. Mm-hmm. Um, when I audition at home, um, there's usually a few things at play. Um, so when you are successful and you've got, you've got momentum, let's say you work, um, you know, one to eight hours of VO in a day, you come home, you've got an inbox potentially full of, of emails from your agent with auditions that are due tomorrow. And if you're working tomorrow, if you don't do them tonight, you don't get to submit for those auditions. So you better rally somehow. So that's like people, when, when, when we talk about like, um, how much VO costs and stuff, and people are like, well, I'd like to make $400 an hour. Well, one, it's incredibly infrequent freelancer work. It is not reliable 80 hour or, you know, 40 hours a week, mm-hmm. uh, money. It's not like that. It's like you, when you work, you win the lottery and then you got to squat on your savings and hope that you write it out through the next slump. Um, and then, you have to keep up with auditions or you're losing out on future work when your current jobs dry up because everything is finite. Everything will end. Whether you're on a show, eventually it'll stop. Uh, when you're in a game, eventually you'll run out of lines. So you always have to be hustling. Um, so we might be talking for eight hours paid and then come home and then get a little bit of shut up time and then just like audition for a few more hours. So keeping that in mind, if it's at the end of a workday, I'm already exhausted. I'm extremely depleted, but I need to rally and do these auditions. So I don't milk anything because I have, I have very little in the tank anyway. So, um, for commercials, especially because it's what's popular right now and what's selling is kind of like my personal sound anyway, just like millennial shooting from the hip. I don't care if you buy next door. Eh. It's cool. Just, well, the, the attitude is like, Hey, check out this app. It does really cool shit, whatever. And that's, and that's what they do want to hear when they, when you see conversational in quotes, conversational non-broadcaster, they just want this. They want, the same way I'm talking to you now to be talking mm-hmm. about a product. Like, I don't really care if you want it. That's what makes you want it more, whatever. <laughs> oh, um, that, is that right? That, that it's true. So every, every right now. instruction listen is to commercials. not a broadcast. Listen to car commercials right now. Listen to the majority of car commercials. If they're not trucks are still very heavily tra- targeted towards, you know, the middle, the middle class, middle-aged male. So you've still got like, uh, Tim Allen, uh, has been doing, uh, like, a, I don't know, some, some truck companies, uh, commercials for a while. Those are still be like, men being men, uh, marketed towards men, manly men, but, um, all kinds of other cars that are, um, marketed towards millennial, like Acura has a long running commercial with a girl who's just like evolution products by Acura, whatever. She sounds dead. Um, Mm. so, so with those commercials, like I don't overthink it. I, I might do maybe two takes at the most. And even then it's because I bumbled something, but so like the, the I I and then a lot of people preach the importance of doing improv if you want to do um VO because improv teaches you that whatever your gut reaction is is the right one. Don't think, okay. don't overthink it. Once you start thinking, now you're going to start overacting and over hamming it up because you're because you're not confident in your feelings. You have to be confident that the way you feel is correct because it's how you react. And when you're hired for VO, they're hiring you because they like the way you react to things. They like your filter. They're not asking you to do someone else's performance. They just, they want, they want your, the way you talk about cell phones, the way you, the way you play a superhero, the way, um, you talk about a burger at McDonald's. Honestly, it comes down to that. It's your filter that they want, um, not a specific performance. 
Um, so with commercials, really? I'll, I'll be super brief and shoot from the hip and whatever comes out, comes out great. And so long as it's intelligible and it makes sense and I felt it in my gut, I'll ship it. And then when it's something um, much more specific with story, like an animated script or games, um, just rule number one, don't cold read ever. There, some people, I know some people who will like, they'll do stuff like they'll read the specs in a voice and see where that takes them. And then they'll cold read in a voice and see where that takes them. I don't believe in that. It doesn't work for me. Um, and it's also just like not what I was taught. I spent most of my time with Richard Horvitz, who's the voice of Invader Zim. And I like his method, which is read the script. And if you need to read it twice and make sure you fully understand the story, because if you don't know what your character wants and why they're talking to who they're talking and why they're saying what they're saying, it's going to come out fake anyway, because you're faking it because mm -hmm. you're pretending to understand the story when you don't. So make sure that you understand the story. And then from there, again, everything that comes out will be right because it will be your understanding of the context. Um, the worst thing a director can do is tell you how to feel without any context of why it's like well you really hate this person that's nice why what did they do tell well, me what this yeah. person did to me and then i'll tell you how i feel about it well sometimes i get line reads though in a session they'll be like okay i want or they'll play an example of another vo and that'll just throw me off my game they'll just you gotta like, let that wash yeah. over you so so yeah. i was just talking about how i audition yeah. How I work is very different. When you are, when you've been brought into a job, your job now is to give the client what they want and make them happy within the time allotted to you and make sure right. that everybody goes home feeling like it wasn't a waste of time and money. Um, having said that, like, don't, that doesn't mean be a doormat. Um, so when you start getting line reads, don't get, don't, it's not, it's not the best, but yeah. don't get mad. Let it wash over you. And if there's, if they're asking for specific melodies, don't like, there's a, great clip online of William Shatner uh, getting a line read and just and just smashing it back in the dumb engineer's face, which is the right thing to do. Because frankly, if you're hiring a name, if you're stunt yeah. cast like William Shatner, then you're then you do want whatever William Shatner is going to give you. Don't he's not a short order cook. He's William right. Shatner. So just right. accept it. Um, but if you're hiring, you know, one of us who are who are worker bees, um, let the line read wash over you. Don't listen to how badly they're performing it because you know, they're not the professional voice actor you are mm -hmm. and just try to interpret what they mean and then just make it work and do it with a smile on your face because that's what the money's for. Yeah. You be know? professional. Stay, yeah. stay happy. You're not, yeah. you're not there to make yourself happy and make fine art. You are a commercial artist and you are there to please the client. Um, so, awesome. so take, take line reads with a grain of salt and just like make, remember your performance still has to be real. It still has to be your performance but sometimes it's something as inane as like they're asking for a specific melody. Like um, if the line is, thanks for coming. Oh, actually, I'll give you some great examples. Um, there's two anecdotes that I like to throw in in uh, in sessions when we get the emphasis wrong. <laughs> um, so uh, Matt Colville, who's a buddy, he's the sole writer on Evolve. And before that, he worked at Pandemic on... Oh, I'm blanking on their games. Anyway, pandemic games. Can't remember what they're called. Um, and he he runs a bunch of D and D stuff online. So if you're a dungeon master and you want to dungeon master more, look at Matt Colville's stuff. But anyway, he was in a. That's really gonna bug me that I can't remember the names. Is was the game? No, the company was Pandemic, and they're no longer with us. But it was their their series of games. That I'm, I don't feel like googling right now. So Let's do some well. Google machine. I, uh, Sean's um, on it. Sean's on it. I got pandemic. <laughs> Uh, it was like it was like a mercenaries, mercenaries. God. Oh yeah, the old school. There was two games for those. Yeah. No, I was like, is the game about mercenaries? Oh, good job, Frida. Okay, so <laughs> in a recording session for mercenaries, 
the line was, is that our truck? And the guy kept saying, is that our truck? And Matt's like, we know, we know it's a truck. Is it our truck? Is it our <laughs> truck or is it the enemy's truck? Is it our truck? Okay, cool. Thank you. Thank you. Got it. Yeah. Is that our truck? <laughs> Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Spent like 15 minutes on it. Had to let it go because the guy could not, he couldn't hear himself and being able to hear your own melody and, and emphasis and you know, the, whether it, you're billboarding a product or you're billboarding like in games, you are, you are constantly informing the player what to do. Right. So it's like, right. Hey, over there, that's important because you're giving direction. So is that, is that our truck? No, is that our, Oh, for fuck's sake. So <laughs> that's, I'll whip that out when I'm, when I'm doing it, when I'm guilty of just like not, not billboarding when I'm supposed to billboard and then everyone laughs, then we do. And then we move on. Um, and then another buddy, Kevin McMullen, who's a, a casting booth director. He actually, he loved, he loved his so much that he has it saved. Uh, so he was directing a lady and it was a shooty game. And the line is, uh, let's see what this, what this baby can do. And she was referring to the gun that she's holding, but yeah. she was saying it like, let's see what this baby can do. <laughs> it's like, no, no. Oh, let, let, let's see what this baby can do. Okay. Okay. Thanks. I got it. Let's see what this baby can do. <laughs> let's see so, what this baby so it, can do. Yeah. So it's, it's <laughs> yeah. the whole job is being able to hear yourself and then to be able to hear the information that's being given to you that you need to promote it, whether, whether it's in a commercial, it's exactly the same, whether it's in a commercial, in a commercial, you've got a story. So you need to know why you're saying what you're saying and you're promoting something, whether it's a product or a service. And then in an animation, you have to know why you're saying what you're saying. And you're talking about something that's important to your character. What is the thing that's important to your character? Is it the baby or the gun? So if you can't, if you can't digest and, and spit back what you're being asked to billboard it's it's gonna be harder to to place you yeah i couldn't do it like once in a while when that happens everyone's human that's fine but like if you're tone deaf if you're tone deaf to yourself and to what's coming out of your mouth it's gonna be very hard to employ you unless that's somehow that's what they're looking for that is definitely me well that's what but that's what um that's what the line read is about is that Mm. They're, they're asking you to, to shift your focus. So don't take it personally as a performance thing. Take it personally as, a, okay, let me listen to where where you're hitting the mark and what you're making important in this line. And I will make it important in this line. And trust me, it will, they will be happy and you can move on. That's a great point. That's awesome. One more, one more question, Ian, because, sorry. Why do you call, no, always call me Ian? Uh, you don't even know how to say I'm. <laughs> I am sorry. Um, so after all this, let's talk about the process for video games then because – the assumption is you're in a booth alone. Is that correct? Or are you, are you doing this stuff with other actors? Um, it depends. So on a commercial, you're alone unless it's a partner yeah. read. And then if it's a, if it's a, an ensemble where there's, you know, two or more characters, they bring everybody. Th- those are even, even the announcer is usually mm-hmm. not recorded separately. You're all in there together. Um, for animation, if you're in an animated show, they do their best to bring in everybody in a particular episode in a script on the day. However, if like the cast is really big or if, you know, people are busy with other work, um, you'll never read alone. You just might read with a partial cast, mm-hmm. but you never read alone. There's always somebody to play off of gotcha. video games. 98% of the time you're completely, completely, completely alone. Um, most of the time 
Uh, if there's ensemble, at best, it is because you have the blessing of getting to perform performance capture on on a stage, where which is essentially performing live theater, mm-hmm. like uh, like in a, a Naughty Dog or um, Metal Gear Solid or anything else that takes performance capture and then translates it into the game. You're you're basically getting to watch live theater through rendered 3D models, which is amazing. Um, and the rest of the time, we're all talking to no one at nothing in a dark box to imaginary friends. Yeah, because Mass Effect, I, there's so many options. Can you imagine if you had to act all those out? There's just so many different options and and <laughs> combinations of people together. That would be insane. But I think, Ives, you can attest to this. When you're having those conversations with your crew people aboard the Tempest, it does feel like you are in the same room because yeah, it does. some yeah. of those responses are playing off the same tone or picking up on. So do you hear the do you hear the lines that have been recorded? So how do you play those scenes? I can't even tell you what percentage of the time we actually got to hear other people's VO. Very, very rarely. But if it so happened that if it so happened that another character in the scene had recorded prior to me, for example, then I would get they would, you know, pipe in their line and I get to respond to that appropriately. Right. Um, but not all of the time, which makes it tough because sometimes we have to go back and do pickups. Um, pickup is when you go do a line again, you pick it up, um, in a different session for things like, I didn't know that we were yelling across the chasm, or I didn't know that this line that I said really loudly is actually in that person's face. (laughs) Pass the coffee. Yeah. Context is everything. Context, context rules you. So if you don't, if you don't have, that's, that's why I keep saying like, First of all, it's your duty as the actor to understand the story as best you can. And if you don't, it's your duty as the actor to ask the director whose job it is to understand the story for you in case you're missing any part of context like environment. Am I yelling over engine sounds? Am I far away or close to the character? How do I feel about this character? What has happened in the story up to this point? Like all those questions need to be need to be at the ready by the director or else, you know, something's something's gone horribly wrong in the pipeline. Awesome. I want to play that aspect again, like right now. I honestly do. And it's cool because at the end, there's a lot of conversation. All everybody's in the same place at the same time talking, and it just it feels so natural. And then there's games that, and I love Skyrim. Skyrim is a big game. I'm, I'm a big fan of Skyrim, but I feel like the, all those lines. I don't know if it's the way it was recorded, but they kind of they all feel disconnected to me, as if they are recorded from different places at different time, and nobody knew what was going on. But Mass Effect. Bioware does a great job of making everything connect. Like with Dragon Age, with Mass Effect, all the all of the Dragon Ages, all the Mass Effect games. It's like the the it just feel it feels so natural. And when you hear that the lines have been recorded separately, different times, different states, probably right. You guys don't even record at the same place, right? Oh yeah, I mean, uh, it was pretty much split between London and um, Los Angeles. Um, I mean, there's there's a butt ton of, of VO that comes out of London. Um, and obviously, I mean, obviously people like Natalie Dormer and um, what's his face was really Riley, um, the uh, Baratheon boy. All the Game of Thrones people came yeah. out of London. And then a, and Jules DeJong actually is an American living in London. Um, so she was recorded there. And the rest of us were recorded out of L.A. I don't know if anybody else got special favors in different studios, but um you know, LA is the actor factory. Like anytime I'm asked, so what do I want to be a voice actor? Great. Move to LA. It's what you're going to have to do only because, um, if you live anywhere else in the world and you do voice acting, it will be a part-time job Mm -hmm. that will be supplemental income, but you cannot do it full-time because there's just not enough of a market. Um, versus, uh, if you live in LA, there's 
that's where all the work is. And it's also self-fulfilling prophecy because clients expect all the talent to be in LA. So then it goes to all the agents in LA, which then disseminates to all the talent that the agents represent. And the, and the agents don't necessarily represent uh, actors exclusively in LA. It's just, again, it's just like this snake eating itself that believes everything is in LA. So as a result, a lot is in LA. So I, I make my living full-time from VO because I want to, I don't have to diversify into on camera mm-hmm. or anything else. And I don't want to, but I would not have that luxury if I lived anywhere else in the world. So I'm getting pretty out big. Out California, dude. Well, no, I know LA is the place. I think well, when the you Toronto scene is, is getting pretty big these days. That's the only thing I, I'd say second, maybe second or third to LA. I just, from what I see that the studio is setting up the, the animation houses, I think LA is where to be. I don't see myself moving out there with the, the fam, but oh, man, gonna have to well, you, at least in toronto like you know you can like i said you probably have a successful um supplemental income from vo and then just do pat the rest with on camera or theater or whatever else you like to do that's incredibly common yeah. um because for example like like people are like i'll just do audiobooks audiobooks don't pay great it's extremely hard work i mean i just i just did my first one my first one was um Nexus Uprising, which is the the Mass Effect companion book. That's a it's a it's a pre it's like the events leading up to the start of Andromeda. It's just um, everyone sleeping for two hundred pages. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's just cryo bay after cryo bay. Cryo bay It's extremely hard work, um, and it pays less per day than your potential daily gross if you're available for a regular game. Right. Um, session for example that's just the economics of that um all i mean also it's a matter of cost of living right like if you live in la you need to work more so that you can make um all your your life costs like rent and whatnot versus if you live somewhere much cheaper then you can you can afford to do less vo because you probably need less money to get by it's expensive to live my brother lives in a in in san jose that's where i grew up and it's like (laughs) studios like 150 and Two bedroom apartments are like three grand. I'm like, holy shit! I, I couldn't imagine. Yep. yep. So it's yeah, it's a matter of it's a matter of how hard are you willing to work for how much money do you need to keep going? Again, a snake eating itself. Like you, mm-hmm. you cause the problem by living here, right? So like, if you come to LA now, you need to make the income to to support living Being in here. LA. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. So I mean, I've addressed that question. Like, I have a I have a section on my on my website first of all i have like a have a how to become a voice actor because i get that question enough so i i link there everybody i vet who or who's been vetted for me as far as resources teachers art, articles whatever i mean stuff that like i don't put stuff blindly it's all stuff that i used when i never asked anybody i never googled i didn't ask for a handout so i just went and put all my info there and then i have a section called pro tips where um i really hate repeating myself for easily googleable questions so when someone sends me yeah. a question i write a blog once and then the next time i get that question i just send people to the blog and then I never hear from them again. It's brilliant. Um, so in We're there, I've addressed <laughs> never again. Uh, and there, I've addressed like um, people ask me, "Can I can I have a job and then become a voice actor?" And it's like, well, not if you want to. Not if you want to do it for realsies. Like I, I have to be unemployed mm-hmm. so I can be available to get work. It's not uncommon for me to get a call in the morning. Hey, can you be here in the afternoon? And if I'm not available, someone else is going to get that job. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. So, so do you, you, have- do you like voice acting? I I, I kind of feel like you're no, so good at it. So. I mean, is it like a passion? Like, <laughs> yo, I get to do some work today. Does that feel like work or does it feel like I get to go do some work today? That sounds fantastic. Because me, when I go to work, I'm pressure washing sidewalks. I'm like, I got work tonight. I fucking hate it. I don't want to go. I imagine 
I imagine Frida just going, yeah, I get to go do some lines for Mass Effect or any of these other games you've done. I never, any actor who isn't an asshole never forgets that we have, we have the dumbest job in the world. This is a really stupid job. The hardest part of the job is driving, is, <laughs> is the drive. And everything else is easy by comparison. Like, I, got, I mean, and I got that from uh, Daniel Riordan, who's a great, um, lovely person and a great voice actor. He's actually the voice of Dr. Carlisle. For some reason, he's not credited in IMDb. And every week, somebody asks me, who's Dr. Carlisle? And I just happen to know it's Daniel Riordan because he has a very distinctive voice. Hmm. Um, I had a conversation. We we were both in a in a commercial and hanging out in the lobby while they were editing. And we were just talking about it. And he was talking about how, like, and you, you hear this a lot from, from voice actors who no longer do on-camera. On-camera is kind of a pain in the butt because you you have to be you have a call time to be on set to like be on the premises but it's a ton of waiting around and waiting around and waiting around and then you get up there and you do your scene for 10 minutes and then they can't let you go in case they need later and it's waiting around and it's just really really boring i've never done it this is all me repeating what i've been told um and then versus when you do vo um it's time the time time is money and the clock is ticking and people have bought out a studio for a specific amount of time. So we got to get this done. We got to get this done today and we got to get what we need or else it's going to cost more money if we have to come back. So let's go. So show up on time. We're starting at this time and we're out of the studio at this time. Um, and on camera actors love that because they know when they start working and they know when they're going to be home for dinner or if they're going to be home for dinner. It's very reliable. So in talking to Daniel the other day, he was just like, you know, when you go work on a set, um, you still don't have you. The the people who clean the toilets have a harder job than you, and you should mm-hmm. never ever forget that. Um, because the hardest thing you had to do that day was drive there and and get there on time. Whoop de doo! What a what an undertaking. Um, having having said that, it's still about relative perspective, right? Like there are jobs that I'm less emotionally invested in because um, I am a commercial artist. I'm not a I am not a fine artist. Um, I am not. This is not my craft because uh, if I was a fine artist, I would be writing my own content and saying my own words and pitching my own series or whatever. And I'm not because I'm lazy. I would much <laughs> rather be a commercial artist who serves other people's visions. And I'm, I felt very strongly that way, too, when I was working in game development as a sound designer. Um, like I was never I was never into sound for avant garde reasons like there's a, a lot of sound. Design. I, I, I love them and they know who they are but it's so stupid when people are just like, I recorded tonight's thunderstorm. It just really moved me. I've put it on SoundCloud. Listen to my thunderstorm. And I'm like, nobody cares. Are you ever going to use, unless, unless if you did a field, if you got a field recording and then you use it for something or you sell it as a library, great. That's amazing. That's useful. That's purposeful. But when you do it for, for art's sake, it's just sort of like you're wanking with your recorder and it's weird. (laughs) It's pointless. I didn't get it. Versus the second anybody presented me, even with just concept art or an animation, immediately I knew I'm like, I know what that sounds like. I just got to go make it. Just I'll be right back. I just I got to go manifest the thing that's already in my head. I'm extremely reactive to other people's ideas. So now as a voice actor, I'm extremely reactive. The second you give me a, a piece of art or a script or a story, I already know what that person sounds like. I just got to go in my booth and do it. Just, just I'll be right back. I'll go do it um, and make decisions and then go from there. I mean, having said that as a commercial artist, you can't be married to your work in the same way where like I'd be making, if I was sound designing um, a space future gun for someone and they're like, uh, it's, it's not bassy enough. I still have to please that person if they're my superior, right? Give it, give it my opinion and my expertise, but still I'm making work for, for somebody else. Mm-hmm. So in the booth, I can't be married and be like, my character wouldn't say that. My character wouldn't sound like that. Right. It's not my character. Right. I'm, 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 
making the character real for me, but it's someone else's property. It's someone else's intellectual property and someone else's money is paying for this time. So I'm there to serve them. Like if they don't like the way the sandwich is made, the sandwich is going back in the kitchen End of. Mm. Um, so, uh, it's a great job, but I, I, I still have favorites. Like <laughs> in, a, in, a, in an interview with adorable French people, the gal asked me, um, so what is, what is your dream job? And I'm like, I just, this one, I did it already. I've peaked. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Like you don't, there are extremely few game franchises. Never mind like the visibility. Um, that something like mass effect gives actors. Um, but the, the whole cycle of human emotions that you get to, that you get to experience and process and express most of their games have really limited scope. Like if you're playing a shooter, like years of war or something, unless there's like a storyline with very intimate moments and character arcs, you already know what the bulk of the video is going to be like. Mm -hmm. And you know what the bulk of your expression is going to be like. It's a very limited scope because the game has a limited scope of human expression. That doesn't make it a less fun game or whatever. It's just like, you know what it is or like battlefield or whatever versus um, something like mass effect where it's like, I'm going through relationships and I'm going through grief and I'm going through being really happy and being really dorky. And then like having serious business time, like I, I get to run the gamut. That's such yeah. a gift for actors. It's just, it's not every day that you get to do that. Sounds so was, fun. Was there a scene in mass effect Andromeda? Sorry if this is a hacky question. That was the most difficult for you to get through. Wait, say that again. Was there was there a, a scene in Mass Effect Andromeda that was the most difficult for you to get through? As in just in terms of sheer getting that emotion across? Or was it a situation where you just had a, a more trouble uh, getting in that actually, moment? Um, with Josh Dean, my sometimes director, mostly director, as my witness, actually the thing he had to most pull the reins on. He's like, Frida, could you just um could you could you just be nicer? Could you be nice? Could you just pretend <laughs> yeah. just, be, just smile a bit more. Just like don't don't less mean, please. Yeah. Please <laughs> that because it's it for me because it's my uh, personality. It's very easy for me to be aggressive and pushy um, and mean or condescending or whatever because that's just like that's my go-to in my personal life. Mm -hmm. And it's much harder for me to be vulnerable, submissive, sweet. I'm not a nice person. I'm not a sweet person. I'm not malleable. I'm extremely skeptical. So he would just be like, "Can you just soften up a little bit, please, please, please today?" <laughs> Yeah. So that, I mean, but, and that differs from person to person. Like there are plenty of actors who talk about like, they can't cry. They cannot cry. They just can't do it. And in their personal lives, you know, when they express grief, maybe they get stuck on, on anger. Maybe they're just really, really, really angry and resentful and they never cry. And that, that's not wrong. That's just how, you know, they, as a person feel their emotions. Mm -hmm. Um, so for me, the hardest thing is being nice. <laughs> <laughs> I have no problem. There's the quote. Frida says, the hardest thing is being nice. I cry right before every podcast a little bit. And then I, I take a shower, you know, clean off all my tears and my red eyes, some Visine, and then I'm ready to podcast. But every podcast, just crying. like just like when a rapper goes up on stage, they barf, you know. I just cry a little bit before every podcast. <laughs> Mom's spaghetti? Mom's spaghetti. Yeah. He's nervous. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's it's uh like talking to you. You seem like so professional. I don't know you. You're you're so full of knowledge, and I love that. A lot some some guests I have, um, and I I love every guest. If if I reach out to a guest, it's because I really want to talk to them. I want to hear what they have to say. But there's a lot of conversations where I have to do all the work, and it's maybe because they're just not as social over 
over Skype or whatever. It's like you just ask free to something and kick back for a while and you're going to hear the most interesting shit. You got, like you're so full of knowledge and you don't you don't even skip a beat. I can't even speak a sentence without stumbling over it or a word as you guys heard earlier. I just and my brain gets way ahead of my mouth at all times, but you just seem so grounded. Like I, Matt, you too, both of you guys. Just you guys are making me very feel really shitty right now. Oh, <laughs> well, I, I mean, am's. not really. <laughs> so, like, I'm, I, I have to. I kind of always have had to be a know-it-all. If I don't know something, I'm, I'm a gross millennial. I'm like, oh, hold up, I'll just pause this, this debate because I got to Google, and then I'll Google. come back with some facts. Like, mm-hmm. but that's, but that's me and my insecurity. Like, I feel very insecure if I don't know something, if I can't explain something, whatever concept, even if it's out of my depth of field, I have to, I have to know and explain it. Um, and that's my insecurity of just like not knowing stuff. So that's how I overcompensate by being able to lob facts at you until you get exhausted and I go learn, away. Yeah. I, think. I don't want to learn though. See, that's the thing. I like to just soak information. I'll, I'll play a, a whole video game sometimes and not even know what it like. I have no idea any of the plot. I watch shows, shows, and I'll just what what did I watch? I never remember the following week. Like unless it was previously on The Walking Dead. I have no fucking clue what happened last week. I honestly do. It just. My brain is... Dude, we do a Walking Dead podcast. I know, but it's just... Uh, my, You know? But sound design, like, you were talking about sound design, Frida. And when I when I edit the the um, the improv scene in the beginning, I'll... I mean, I don't have the ability, or maybe I do, but I don't really have the ability to just create my own sound. So I go through these... There's libraries of stuff online. You can find free uh, archives of, of sound effects. You can change them, add whatever you need to make them sound slightly different, but... I tweak that whole – it takes me and at two hours sometimes just to do – just to edit that improv scene because I want everything. Oh, that footstep's too loud. That footstep's too loud. That uh, that whatever, like the the sound of the – you know, I got to find other sounds to use as oh, – I want it to sound like a spaceship, but there's no spaceship sound. So let's use like a ref- refrigerator sound and kind of like amp it up and add – yeah, just – so it sounds kind of yeah. like you're on a spaceship. Like I really get into sound design. I love sound design. That could – that can make a game just really good sound design could just knock it out the park. <laughs> yep. Uh, sound audio is an extremely thankless job because um, people only notice audio when it's bad mm-hmm. and when it's Asshole. good and it feels right and it's excellent. Nobody says anything because it felt right. right. Uh, and the only people who compliment audio are other people who work in audio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, have you guys seen the show Legion? Yeah, no, I but I, it's, I don't. I don't know anybody who hates it, so that's pretty good. The sound design show. is something. It's just when you listen to that, you're like, okay, whoever did the sound on this show deserves an Oscar. I know they don't have Oscars for shows, but they deserve one anyways. Because, <laughs> an Emmy, you mean? And whatever. I, no, I'm saying Oscar. Let's go big. Let's go straight go to the Oscars. Uh, Let's go to the movie awards. Matt, there is a sound. Matt, Matt, if I mess up next time, don't point it out, please. I'm gonna edit Sorry, it out. Buddy. Well, that's horribly uh, awkward. I thought that's the whole point. Yeah, it is. There's but a- when you listen to it, you're like. Holy shit, there's there's a scene, fuck it, I don't care, spoilers. There's a scene where everybody goes deaf in this one episode, and you as a viewer feel like you've gone deaf. Like you re- like not like you're watching a show that's trying to make you feel like you've gone deaf. You're sitting in your couch like, "Did I go deaf? Like what? Like is my ears ringing? I don't know. It's it's really good. Like and uh, I know a lot of people don't notice shit like that. It's all everyone's about visuals and acting, but uh, I I like all aspects. I mean, I love voice acting in games. I know earlier you brought up like Naughty Dog, like tremendous voice acting. Bioware's games always have fantastic voice acting, like some of the best. Bioware has some of the best voice acting and characters, period. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a credit to you. Partially, that's 
casting um, competent people who have either done voice acting before or just understand the mechanics of it because like not all face actors can do voice acting and by rights that all voice actors can probably do face acting because um on camera acting is a completely different beast you have to be so hyper aware of your your face and your body and your placement mm. you have to hit marks on the ground uh you have to face the camera a certain way and like i i mean i know i'm like i'm not cognizant of any of that stuff because i don't I haven't had to do it on a regular basis at all versus being hyper aware of what I sound like, which a lot of people aren't because they're not like um, I essentially sound design and edit myself every day because I audition most days, right? When I get auditioned. So I'm, I'm, I'm a really good editor of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so just like everything becomes, everything becomes normal with practice. And then to Bioware's credit, um, I didn't get to say this earlier, actually. They, every scene that we go, like every single line in Bioware that I ever uttered, I got to see, the whole script of that scene, meaning I got to see my lines and then the other characters lines. And that might not sound like a big deal, but there are plenty of game sessions I've done where for whatever, if it's a call out, if we're talking like a MOBA or a shooter where everything is multi-purposeful and not story-based like Mm -hmm. grenade or I need healing. Right. You don't need to tell me the story for that. Right. Like, we we got it. That's fine. I don't I don't I don't need to know the context. I already know. Are you sure it's like but, grenade? Grenade. Right. Grenade. Right. Because I'm I'm mad at the person I'm saying it to because I think they cheated on me and I went through their phone, but I'm not really grenade? sure. Grenade. Grenade. Right. For example, um, I have been through game sessions where I'm where I'm having conversations with a player or another NPC or whatever, but I only see my lines, and that's weird because that's half a conversation. So I don't know what I'm reacting to, what the last thing is that the other person said. And so so I'm responding in this way. And as a result, like it's the voice actor's job to make, make an effort and take their best guess and take a stab at it. But it might be the wrong one because we're missing context. And then you cobble it together in the game and it all sounds funky because nobody knew why they were saying what they were saying. Um, So Bioware does it right. And a lot of game companies do do it right where you just, you can read the whole scene, even if you don't have the other characters VO, um, I always, it like say we have a scene and it's just completely empty, like nothing else has been recorded yet. My director would read in with me, like a screen test, every other character. So I had someone to talk to so we can make it as real as possible. And that that makes an incredibly huge difference. You can hear it when people didn't talk to someone else or the actor doesn't, doesn't isn't making a point to be like, I'm having a one-sided conversation. Hmm. Like some games well, that are multiplayer, yeah. like the lines, the random lines that the character's spit out as they're running around they absolutely don't matter like those those kind of lines are just random words and shit that never really fill in context anything which is which is it works it totally works in that situation but when there's conversations like a bioware game where it's like back and forth if it doesn't feel like it connects it's gonna feel weird it's not gonna mesh well i guess you know yeah i mean i I just described the job as like having having real feelings you have real feelings on demand in front of strangers for money. Um, and you're having real conversations in, in a real world with fake people. So everything is, everything has to be, I'm not saying like work hard and work to the point of exhaustion, but if I don't feel like I went through some shit by the end of a session, I didn't really do my job. I wasn't really there. Wow. So. Yeah. It probably takes a lot of you. Dude, Matt, are you taking notes? Oh yeah. No, I'm well, well, about We've got What's the game you're going to work recorded. on, Matt? You're going to uh, – you could say the name of it, right? Yeah. I mean, I, 
this is all fantastic for me. I mean, I'm dipping my toes into the the video game stuff. There's this game. Uh, it, it's called Debris. It's being made by a studio in Ontario. It's a full on like 3D action game, and uh, you know, it's interesting hearing all this kind of putting yourself in the moment stuff because the whole concept is I am a diver who gets trapped underwater in this interesting alien environment. And the whole thing is the narrative is I'm slowly going insane and I, I can't trust what's in front of me. So how does someone react to that? How, how do you talk someone through that psychosis? And so I think their idea is they're going to rent a soundstage and try to get all the actors in the same place so we can go through that, which is why I asked the question about being in the same place. But still just kind of hear from someone who's done a ton of this stuff is, uh, is, is pretty good for me. It's a good reference. It just, it has to be yeah. real. It has to be yeah. real because if, if it's fake for you, it's, it's fake for us. Like I, I've mm-hmm. said this a lot. I mean, people are just dogs and we smell fear. We smell insecurity. We smell, um, fake. We smell condescension, like whatever mm-hmm. the, the microphone records, everything, everything in your head. And again, this goes back yeah. to improv. Like when you take an improv class and you're doing skits and stuff, everyone, everyone only talks about whatever they went through in their day. Or whatever's going on in their head, even if they don't mean to, it accidentally slips out because we're yeah. people, and that's how we yeah. process information. That's how we work our shit out. If you're writers, you write, you write it, put in a script, and try to. I mean, like I mentioned, I watched The Shining for the first time last night, and then of course, because I'm a nerd, I had to go read all the wikis. And unsurprisingly, like The Shining is about a writer who's a former alcoholic who then goes crazy and attacks his family. Mm-hmm. At the time, Stephen King was dealing with his own alcoholism. So he yep. writes the story as a way to exercise that demon of like, I recognize that I have done irreparable damage to my family and to myself. I feel like I acted like a crazy person around them. Obviously, I'm a writer. And I'm going to use that in a story now about an alcoholic. Big surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, so as an actor, everything like you cannot compartmentalize. If you had a shitty day, that added to that lingering stank is going to come out your mouth in the microphone. If you get a script and you think it's garbage, that judgment is going to come out. If you mm. don't. If you're like, this character is dumb, that distance, that distaste, that disdain is going to come out your mouth and come out in the read. People have been asking me, like, which is your favorite romance from Andromeda? And I'm like, well, at the time in recording, I had to give them all equal equal weight. Because if I pick a favorite, you're going to hear it. You're going to hear it, yeah. You won't know, but then you'll pick up on what my preference was. And then you'll prefer it even if you don't mean to. It's because we're just we're just animals, you know? It's all, it's all pheromone and it's all um, those little cues that you the the back of your the back of your brain cerebellum it's referred to as the primitive part of your brain it's the it's the stupid pit it's a stupid bit of your brain when where you're sitting in a movie theater and you know you're in you're just in a movie theater but your your blood still your blood pressure rises and your heart rate goes crazy and you start hyperventilating because you're watching a scary movie even though you know you're safe it's Mm -hmm. because your brain is so stupid it's still being tricked by the cues it's seen on screen or like, you know, you jump because of a loud sound because your brain's dumb. Um, and so because your brain's dumb, we pick up on everything. So it's just extremely important to be very aware of that. When you go into a session, you have to give yourself over to that client and be like, all right, this is your time. I'm here to work for you. The stuff that's going on in my life, I'm going to have to either deal with it and process it or somehow put it aside. Although like I'm telling you right now, compartmentalizing is really difficult. Like mm-hmm. if you're going through something uh, major in your life, like someone in your family is dying or whatever, that's going to hang over you like a cloud and that's going to color your performance that day. And that's okay. That's life. Mm-hmm. Just be aware of it. Just know that it's there. 
Like be, be a human being. You're not superhuman. When you, when you try to compartmentalize and act like a superhuman, that's when you come off as fake in your real life. And that's when you come off as fake as an actor because you're, mm-hmm. you're overdoing it. You're pretending to be okay. And that's weird. Hmm. Right? I can't wait to hear Matt's voice. I can't wait to hear a voice. Matt, I've known you for like, a you just want to injure now. me in the game. So you can I go, just wanna, oh. I just want to <clears> see <throat> all the death scenes. I just want to die over and over. But I think this is fantastic stuff, but I mean... Hey, wait, check out Matt, 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 Matt. I'm going to... Hold on, slowly roll. Slowly roll, dude. I'm going to do something fun right now. We're going to do something fun right now. Yeah, I want to ask... Okay. Okay. But this is better than whatever you thought it was going to be. And it's going to be awkward for you only. Okay. Okay. So... Frida, I want I want you to think of some lines, typical lines you would hear in a video game. Um, just not it doesn't have to be specifically anything you've said or, or recorded from a video game, but a typical line you would hear in a video game. Let's let's tell it to Matt and let's have Matt act it out. No, nope. don't yep, do yep, that yep. Matt. No, that's yep. weird. That's nope, horrible. It's not, it's not weird. It's not weird. Let's do it. <laughs> no. <laughs> Matt, you got you have to be a professional. This is how you start on my podcast. Oh. First of all, I am professional. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, like the dumbest expository thing is, what do we do now? Okay. What do we do now? What do we do now? Or wait, wait, what's the context? Where am I? Exactly. You have no story. You don't know why you're saying this or what, what, <laughs> what the emergency is. So it comes out in the most generic, I don't know why I'm saying what I'm saying okay. way. I'm trapped in an abandoned school and we were just attacked. We just found a hiding place, okay? Wait, and your and your daughter just died. My daughter just, just thanks. Just, I have a seven just, month old daughter. Thanks. You just saw oh, her yeah. ripped to shreds and eaten by zombies in front of your eyes. What do we do now? What, what? No. See That I, was that's good though. It wasn't you're acting like that was bad. That was good. Well, putting him on the spot is totally unfair because at least when you're isolated in the box, like you have, you have yeah. fake privacy where you feel like right. you have at least some physical. Yeah, I am. I was unfair. God to damn, gather yourself and stuff. Awkward, but I mean, but like that does prove yeah. the point. If if you don't, if you don't know the story, you don't know the context. You haven't been told what else has happened in the story. You're just like I'm spitting in the wind. I'm yeah. doing my best. What do we do now? Right, and then and then they go home <laughs> and then they put it in the game and it all sounds weird and disconnecting. You're like, why does this sound so bad? Yeah. Because this is no nobody knew because the actor did their best. It's very like you can't you can't blame an actor on their performance when when shit rolls downhill and you know it's the director's job to know the story and then the director didn't get the full story because the writers were still writing it because they were scheduled poorly. Like it can go all the way up to the top. Wait, wait, how wait, to wait. pass the buck on that. <sighs> what do we do now? No, that's too much. But that is the job, having having emotions on demand on a schedule for money. I should okay, put that on in my uh, office here. That's the part Matt's not getting. Like Hold on, let me PayPal you some cash. Hold on. What's your PayPal? Uh, that was the money uh, line right there. Yeah, let me see. Uh, hey guys, I, can, I, you, I, yeah. can you give me two seconds? Because I have hit that, that time where I am full of pee. Boom. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go, go ahead. Oh. Yeah. yeah take, All right. Take, be right back. And we're taking a break. We'll be right back. Bald like me, so I mean, we had some resemblance. <laughs> okay, so we're we're a bag. Okay, wait. Uh, shit. Well, uh, okay, let's do some shout outs real quick, and we'll come back. We'll do like twenty more minutes, Frida, and then we'll wrap it up. All good. Okay, so uh, let's do some shout outs. Yeah, it's party time, people. I'm gonna shout, shout it out. Tell my friends what it's all about. 
Making love in the streets in between the sheets. Gonna shout them homies out. It's the Horribly Awkward Podcast. It's a shout-out segment of the show. So shout out the people you know. Let's make love grow on the Horribly Awkward Show. Okay, so first off, big shout-out to Danielle Rain for coming out. Absolute blast hanging out last week. That was a super fun uh Super fun episode. I loved it. And if, if you missed that episode, go ahead and go back. And we talk lots of Mass Effect. Again, Mass Effect and Andromeda is the shit. Voice acting and other stuff. Regular. Other acting. Real acting. I'm just kidding. Frida. Frida's Whoa. like, what? Whoa. <laughs> so, uh, thank That's you. okay. My acting's basic. <laughs> thank you, Danielle. I really appreciate, appreciate that. She's such an easy person to talk to. It's just it's, it's so easy. And a big shout out to... Um, Brie Larson, you know why? Because why not? I just saw Free Fire last night, and it was a fucking <laughs> blast, dude. It was a 15-minute plot stretched out to 90 minutes, and it worked. Not for a one second are you not fully invested. Cool. Freaking work. And also, big shout-out to uh, Women's Razors. I used one earlier because they were cheap as fuck, and I bought them, and they work better than men's razors. I don't understand that, but they do. Women's razors, but it's blue. I'm, I don't have like a girly pink razor. I got a blue woman's razor. <laughs> and it sounds weird that I admitted that out loud. You guys want to do some shout outs? Bail me out. Shout out Zombie Cast. For, oh, yeah. Okay. Shout out to Zombie Cast for being an awesome uh, podcast you can catch on Monday nights. Shout out to the No Sleep podcast for letting me read horror stories and uh, creep myself out. And shout out to Guinness World Records. Whose Gamers Edition is coming out soon, and you can read a couple of my stuff in there. That's right. You're a nerd. That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. Did you set records or just comment on the records? No, I've, I've been writing uh, some of the sections for a few years. I, I get to interview other gamers because I'm a, I geek out on that stuff, too. How cool. That's right. Aww. Is that how you did the interview with Troy Baker? I did. I, I interviewed Troy Baker, and I asked him all the same uh, hacky questions as well to try to pick his brain. And there's actually a Troy Baker interview in the the newest uh, book that's coming out. Awesome. So check that out. Frida, who, who you got some shout outs? Uh, shout out to Horribly Awkward Podcast for having Ooh. me on. Oh! Yeah! Um, shout out to everybody who has played and enjoyed Andromeda. Um, I hear you. I see you. It is so nice to... Mm-hmm. That, that's the payoff at the end of the day. Like... One, we do the job for the money, but two, it's just like it's nice that it actually that a story that I got to be a part of resonates with people and you know brings brings a little something to their lives. So shout out to everybody in Andromeda. And you are I generally you I are super game. active on Twitter with with uh, people who tweet at you. I see that you, Tom, uh, Danielle as well. I, I see how you guys interact with people, and it just you guys are welcoming, which is awesome because there's a lot of people you really love their work, and you might tweet at them and. I don't know if, you know, some people don't even run their own Twitter accounts. You'll just get like a like from somebody who runs their Twitter account. And, you know, it seemed like free to anything. You you retweet a lot of stuff and I I see a lot of it. It's always awesome. (laughs) Well, I mean, it feels like the least I can do. Also, like, you know, keep in mind our our bandwidth is is manageable. Like, I'm I'm only up to like 8K followers, which is not, I don't know how my peers who have like tens of thousands of followers do it at all or can it just that just seems insurmountable to me like ak is enough where twitter has absolutely become a part-time job that i don't get paid for at this point um i look at like every time i look at my mentions it's basically a task list mm, that i have to handle. i know what it's you like, mean it's like okay <laughs> when, I, 
when I feel like it, when I feel like spending, you know, however many minutes today, I'm all right, let's, let's go through the stack. And that's, and I'm, I'm the least I can do is like, if someone is taking the time to show me their customized character, like, I feel like the least I can do is share that with the community. That costs me nothing. That's easy to do. And if it makes someone's day, that's rad. Um, participating beyond that has now definitely become tiring. So I'm, I'm doing it less and less, which I think is for the better. Like I quit Facebook more than a year ago. I don't miss it at all. I quit very specifically because it felt like it felt like I was an unpaid community manager of my own stupid community. And I don't mean like as an actor page or something, just like as a normal human where people would get in fights and threads on my page and I would have to like block and delete and right. I mean, just like just normal, normal people stuff or people, a lot of, uh, I've seen a lot of other people too, where if you're a creative professional, for some reason we'd get business inquiries through Facebook messenger, which is like an email mm. box that nobody asked for. So <laughs> I just, I yeah. got rid of it cause I don't miss it. And it cracked me up. Um, because immediately after a few people emailed me like, Hey, we noticed you left Facebook. Are you okay? Like I jumped off a bridge or something <laughs> did. like getting off of social media somehow means that you're no longer part of, of the human race for some reason, which, which I think is pretty dangerous. Um, uh, the internet and social media and phones and all that stuff have have changed the way we interact with each other in real life, not for the better. Um, a couple of great books to read um, uh, is Together Alone, which is by a college professor lady, which is pretty fascinating. It's very current. And then uh, Aziza Asari. Un- <laughs> I always say Aziza Asari now because someone actually made an Aziza Asari account. <laughs> and it screws me up because they went to the trouble of like making an Aziza Asari nice. um photo and that that's in my head forever now but aziz ansari's um modern is it modern romance i believe or is it modern love uh, no 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 so master of none is an amazing show okay. and that's his show yeah. on netflix but hold on two two shakes of a modern okay so it's modern romance is the name of his book came out um maybe a year or two ago i had the audiobook version i highly recommend it because it's aziz's delivery half the time he's making fun of he's making fun of the listener for being really lazy and having a book read to them and i'm like aziz what if they're blind what are you doing um it's, it's not a it's not a comedy book at all it's uh he paired up with um some sociologists and took surveys all over the world and just talked about different demographics of how they find relationships and romance and what the relationships were like and um, how and why people divorced and whatever, 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 and how technology has messed with that quite a bit. Uh, I just find those hyper, hyper um, interesting. I'm trying to remember why we got on this thread. Why am I on this tangent? Why am I space? Oh, because of social media. Okay. So the, the great, bit of social media is obviously like it's probably partially why we are talking because you know i'm accessible through there i've certainly gotten some gigs through social media um namely octodad and paradigm i was invited to invite on projects just because i existed on twitter and i seemed cool to these people i never solicited i never asked um both um young horses of octodad and jacob generica of paradigm invited me to audition stuff like that is really cool um, but the downside of that is because we have, we can have this rapid fire, um, thoughtless, no empathy because we're not dealing with people and their immediate reactions, communication. Uh, it's just a load of garbage. It's a lot of, it's a lot of hot garbage stress that you don't need to take on. Like why, why should I make myself available to people who just want to troll or be nasty or be insulting or like say that I ruined video games and I'm killing them with my bare hands, whatever. It's just like, you know, I don't want to make time for that. So 
the attention has definitely made me retreat from social media quite a bit. And I, I see that trend. They'll just keep going and going and going. So now I just approach Twitter as like, I'm there to do my little unpaid part-time community service. And then I'm out. I it just, is like, a lot of work. I, it's, it's a lot of stress. I, I know how it is. Sometimes Twitter and someone will tag you in something that has nothing to do with you. And then you'll just be stuck with all these threads of stuff. You're checking your notifications and it still has nothing to do with you. And you're like, ah, oh, this is, this is, this is not good. I can't imagine, though, for you, like, I I feel like I'd hang myself just how popular Mass Effect is having to deal with some of those idiots out there. Because you got a very entitled gamer base now who feels like if I don't like something, then it's an affront to them. Mm -hmm. How do you just deal with reading those comments of like, this female character ruined the the franchise? I'm not assuming someone said that. Of course they have. Of course they have. They've said everything. And they've said everything to me. I've woken up to a barrage of tweets of people telling me to fix the game. (laughs) <laughs> oh geez, really? <laughs> with my with my bare hands, with you know, with with some twine gum like MacGyver. Um, no, I'm just like I've become an expert mute blocker. Uh, the you know how people will suggest um, if you've got beef with somebody, you should just open a draft and write write your angry email and then yeah. read it and then delete it and never send it because there's no point because you can't because you're because whatever happens you're not going to get what you want you're not going to get the resolution you want out of somebody who's determined to come for you mm-hmm. yeah. so especially with the anonymity of twitter i just if um depending on the severity and also like if someone comes for me i'll look at their page and see where they're at like one of the first trolls that i got um post announcement this guy came for me immediately like on n7 day because he went through my website and he saw that i was wearing a feminist t-shirt okay and so he immediately made a tweet where he tagged me and jenner and poor jennifer hale who doesn't you know has nothing to do with me doesn't know me Mm -hmm. doesn't is not involved in this shit and she's getting dragged down in it and this guy was like at least in the past, Jennifer Hale was respectful of her gamer base, but now Bioware has hired this bitch, feminist bitch, and oh, so rude. SJW destroy video games. I go look at his. I go SJW. look at his timeline. <laughs> this poor guy. Every yeah. like without exaggeration, every other tweet was about his depression, about his mm. thoughts of suicide, about his wife mm. is begging to get help and he won't. And it's like okay. I got to block you because that is a huge legal liability for me. One, I wasn't going to respond oh. to this anyway, yeah. but I don't need to be somebody's punching bag if they're using it as a coping mechanism or escape to stop from dealing with their problems. And that's obviously a very, that's a very serious problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so from a legal standpoint, I don't want to get involved. And also just from the liability of like, I'm not here for you to feel better about your obviously shitty situation. I'm sorry for you. I have to, I have to even no matter how, uncomfortable it is um or how nasty it is i force myself to have empathy Mm -hmm. because like we're not obligated to have empathy when it's all youtube comments like you don't have to deal with people having a reaction you don't have to deal with hurting people's feelings you can just like drop a bomb watch it burn and walk away and get off on it right Um, which has created a culture of everybody just furiously masturbating to how nasty they can be and it's like a competition of how nasty can you be because you don't Mm -hmm. have to deal with so i'll put myself in someone else's shoes and then at least, like, you know, look at their timeline and see what kind of content. So, like, out the gate, if anyone is is um, SJW everything or even worse, if they're supportive of Gamergate, which is a group that has known to um, harass, and harass stop, and, yeah. SWAT, send SWAT teams to people's homes, that is, they are dangerous people. I will block them. Done. Mm-hmm. Done. I don't owe you anything. You're scary. You literally scare me. Um, if it's fans who 
are just super, super passionate and they want to hold me accountable for things like, why can't I sleep with these five other NPCs? Um, in my head, I will compose that hot take, you know, that hot take response <laughs> where I would yeah. have some snippy, snappy, probably condescending response. And then I never type it and I mute them mm -hmm. and they can, and they can talk at me all day and I will never have to see it again. Awesome. Um, and that, and that's just like, for me, I think that's a healthy compromise of like, okay, I'm not going to cut off your access to, to this person that you think, um, you're entitled to yell out for things that I can't possibly fix. But I'm mm -hmm. also just like, I'm not here for you either. No one is paying me to take your shit. You're not my constituent. I'm not a civil servant. I don't work for you. But that's a right. dynamic. Like, there's no nice way to say that. There's no nice way to say that. It's, 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 people will take that very personally. So I just feel like the best I can do is, um, I've learned very quickly to not engage. Like, it doesn't, it, being right is not the point. I, I'm never going to be right to somebody who wants to put me in my place. Mm -hmm. And, do that in the internet because you you never have to do it to my face. People very very seldom get in my face because I can get pretty mean pretty quick. But mm -hmm. on the internet, it's it's pretty safe, right? Like you're behind so many things. You're behind IP addresses and distance and monitors, and you can just drop whatever payload you want. So that, I mean that's that that's the that's the touch and go of of stuff like Twitter, where it's wonderful to be accessible. It's also horrible to be accessible. Yeah, to I, I totally get that. Uh, luckily, uh, luckily, most of the people who follow me are other podcasters who don't even use their Twitter shit, so they don't even comment on my stuff. And I, I swear, I, I, I probably follow ten thousand podcasters. If you're if you're a podcast or a podcaster, I automatically follow regardless. And it's, it's just it seems like most of those people are pretty positive, uh, pretty pretty open and positive, but but they also don't go on Twitter, so. <laughs> That's how I feel about, um, uh, yeah, definitely within your, your creative group, there's, um, unspoken family ties there. So like any like game audio people follow me, if I notice I'll automatically follow them back because our game, game audio is incredibly small and niche. Like for every studio of 50 to hundred people, there might be one on-site sound designer if they're lucky, you know, unless they're just paying for contractors who send stuff over the wall. Um, so game audio is automatically family, um, game developers usually, like after announcement, all these Bioware people came out of the woodworks of like, of course, I follow them back. Even if I don't know them, even if I'm never going to meet them, it's still like, okay, well, we're, we're obviously connected because of something. Um, and they all tend to be, you know, just like you're saying, people who mind their own business, who are very professional and they're not, they're not, not, there certainly are exceptions, but they're not necessarily going online to, um, be assholes. To, <laughs> you know, well, but like, again, with empathy, thinking it with empathy, why does someone go online to be an asshole? Because things aren't great at home. Because things mm, yeah. they're unhappy with their life. Because because something has gone really wrong, and instead of dealing with it and and correcting it or addressing it, um, they're feeding it by coping by doing something else. And I mean, all abusers were abused. That is that is a scientific fact. All abusers were abused. Whether it's sexual abuse, whether it's physical abuse, domestic violence, it's because they themselves were victims. And we're monkey see, we're again, we're stupid humans. We monkey see, monkey do. We just perpetuate the cycle until a third party, a party, whether it's a therapist or a law enforcement says, you got to stop that. Mm -hmm. So um, I know that's what's happening online when people are perpetrating stuff on me. It's because they're going through some shit. So it's like, okay, well, I'm going to create this distance now, whether it's blocking or muting. So I don't feel, so I don't have to, you know, be the recipient of your abuse because you were abused and I am sorry for you. So that temptation, I mean, that temptation is certainly there. 
Um, I used to do a podcast where I would get some hate tweets. <laughs> oh, dude, <laughs> and, yeah, pe- people are assholes. <laughs> well, yeah. like for years, I'd get hate tweets because I replaced someone on the podcast. It was a fairly popular podcast, and the temptation, and I should have done what you did, just type it out and delete it. But I, I try to win them over in my head. I'm like, if I just yeah. say the right words, they'll be like, you know what, Matt, you're right. I see things differently now. Let's be friends. But it never panned out that way. And then I just stopped trying. <laughs> you can't you can't fix people and you can't yeah. save people. And you definitely can't do it over the Internet when you're not verbal. Verbal immediate communication is so important. And that's why, like, I'm, I'm sure I come off like a Luddite or like I'm just fearful of technology or whatever. But again, um, because of all this data that I'm like, I'm a data hound, all this data that I've consumed from Aziz's book and, um, the alone together book and all this other stuff. Um, the parts of our brain that rely on live in person conversation have across the board atrophied like a muscle that shrinks because the majority of communication in the developed world is premeditated. It is carefully constructed, crafted, premeditated emails, text messages, tweets, whatever. You sat there, you thought about it, you deleted it, you rewrote it, you wrote it better, you deleted it, you didn't send it, you resent it, whatever. Um, versus having to be a real person, be present and think on your toes and not save your drafts. That's become much, much harder for people on average. It changes the dynamic entirely. I mean, now you've got you've got all these, whether it's pickup artists, um, you certainly see it reflected in media where someone will tell someone else, nah, man, you don't text her back right away. You don't do that. That's amateur. Well, you can't like if you're having a conversation in person, you can't be like, hey, I can't I can't respond right away. Just walk away for two days. <laughs> yeah. Just like I'll get back to you in two hours, two days because I'm not yeah. an amateur. Thanks. What the hell is that? Mm-hmm. That's not human. That's not being human. That's not being present. That's not being real. That is it's like it's Instagram conversation. It's only scrapbooking the most um, the most appealing the most widely acceptable parts of yourself and not being vulnerable again. <laughs> yeah. And some truth bumps on us, man. I, yeah. You know, I, I'm, if you guys knew how many times I'll like tweet something and then erase it and like reword it or sometimes I get really amped and I talk to somebody as if we're best friends already. And like, I, so I say things in a weird way and I'm like, Oh, it's going to come over weird. So I'll erase it. But you're talking about talking to people in person, uh, freedom. I'm like, what? I don't talk to people in, in person ever. Like I work alone. I live alone. The only time I, I'm able to like really have interesting conversations is through the podcast. And that's my own fault. I just become a hermit over the years from these, the cycle of just that stuff, right? And uh, I, I'm able to like have interesting conversations and, and do podcasts and stuff, which is awesome. But I get so in my head when it comes to like tweeting or I overthink everything, overthink it. Emails are the one thing that you, once you send it, you're fucked. <laughs> if, if it's not the way you wanted it to, you're screwed. But that's life, you yeah, know, life. and and you can't go through life um, only permitting and accepting the Instagram best parts of yourself to be the things that bubble to the surface. Because guess what? Eventually, all the other shit's going to bubble up, too. And it's going to be a shock to you and everyone around you that you're a real human being. Um, like, again, in, in Aziz's book, um, he he uses Yelp as a great example, like it used to be, I mean, this is also like the onion had this great, one of their fake headlines was, um, local area, local woman bravely walks into a restaurant without looking up reviews first. (laughs) You know, it used to, there used to be a time where you would just like walk into a joint and risk it. If it was busy, you presumed it was good. 
Um, if you met a person, you thought they were nice, you didn't, you know, Google them first, see what their timeline is, make sure it's not full of hate tweets or whatever. Um, like we just, we just lived our lives. Yeah. Well, with, um, for example, with the advent of Yelp, uh, Aziz will talk about like, he's in, you know, he's a comic comics tour. They're in towns that they don't necessarily know or have friends in. So he's like, I want some tacos and they'll spend like two hours looking for the best taco and not have gotten any tacos when he could just like walk down the street and gotten to a Mexican restaurant, gotten it over with. And that's yeah. stupid. That's a stupid waste of your life <laughs> looking so for the true. best one. And as a result, like that's also how we treat relationships and partners. Now, when you're going through a dating app, like Tinder grinder, whatever, and you're, and you're swiping and swiping and swiping and you're like, you're going through an infinite phone book of people that you're, that you're judging on a second, on a one second re- peer review. Um, and because you, you, you are told that you have infinite choices. You believe that you have infinite choices as, and as a result, nothing and no one is good enough. No taco is good enough. No person is good enough. No restaurant or person have, has enough reviews to convince you to settle because you can't settle because there's always better. The grass is always greener. Um, and then like in, in his book, he talks about how he, you know, he would interview older generations in various parts of the world. And like in New York, he taught, he went to a senior's, um, uh, center and, and talk to them about like their marriages and their relationships. A lot of people marry the nice boy in their building or, you know, <laughs> the, the girl down the streets yeah. or their, their family friend, because it was, it's still, even though it was still very real and tribalistic and, um, just organic, just like people in your community, but that's not good enough. Cause like, why would you settle for someone in your area when you can settle for someone exotic? Right. And what's, Something what's better exotic? is just a swipe away. Yeah. Right. What's exotic enough? Um, so I just, I, I don't know. I've, I've been through some stuff, so I try to just remain, um, aware of, of grass is greener syndrome with everything, with people, mm. with media. Like, I mean, who goes to a movie without reading reviews first? Are oh, you nuts? Yes. That's insane. Are you stupid? Never, never. <laughs> I, I will spend, I'll, I'll look on Netflix scrolling through it. And since they don't show trailers, I'll start, I'll get my, I'll get my phone out, YouTube, start watching trailers. I'll spend two hours researching what's the best movie for me to watch right now. And I haven't watched anything. I'll literally, I'll, and I'll yell, I'll, I'll get so angry at myself. I'll go, stop it. Stop it. Just pick just, something. Just watch it. If it's shitty in the first 10 minutes, turn it off. It's better than reading a hundred reviews about something. Just do it. And I, I Dude, I'm you so got, addicted to that. You got to play Netflix roulette, which is what I do. Cause I used to have decision. I couldn't make decisions. So I just close my eyes and I, I let the thing scroll and I just stop it. I, I, I swear to myself, I'm going to watch a movie in this category. So I get to the category and then I just like, I scroll it again with my eyes closed and I stop. Like, I can give this movie 20 minutes. If I don't like it, I'll, I'll turn it off. And usually I watch the whole movie because once you get past that, like the description doesn't match what I like or mm-hmm. the, the, the images they're putting up. Yeah, there's a lot of good well, movies on Netflix. Sometimes it's the best to not know anything about it. Play a game yeah. you've never heard of and you're like, this is fucking fantastic. Watch a movie you've never heard of or watch reviews. You're like, holy shit, I didn't know anything about this. This is fucking great. But I'm so addicted to knowing. I have to know everything before I go into it. I, I, I always do it. It bugs the shit out of me. I think I'm one year out of the millennials and uh, both <laughs> me and my wife, we talk about this. Like we dated before like it got before tinder and facebook and stuff like i i think i'd honestly i'd be single forever if i started dating now when tinder and stuff because i i totally have the uh, i mean you know what's around the corner syndrome right mm-hmm. welcome to so. my life matt <laughs> and that's just because i'm anti-social yeah. but i'm yeah. not i am but i'm not, not anti-social yeah You're anti-pro-social anyways I used to treat uh, Twitter, especially because I, you know, I'm a freelancer and a set, a, I technically work from like my job. My job is to audition and once in a while I get paid for it. 
when I get picked up for a job, but the job is to audition. So, yeah. you know, I work from home, no pants, pants, shower, optional, whatever, until I get right. called to go to a studio. And then it's like, okay, I got to go be a human. So I definitely medicated, I think, using Twitter the whole time as like my water cooler talking to mm. my coworkers instead of like hanging out in a break room with normal people. I'm just talking to like all my, my friends all over the world, wherever they are, who I might see once a year at a convention or something. Um, and just shoot the shit at the water cooler on Twitter. But then that substitutes going outside and being a person around people, which is just not, it's not, it's just not good full time. Everything in moderation. Like I've never, <laughs> I've had some people come from me on Twitter when I, when I talk about this stuff, because um, the interference of technology with human relations is really interesting to me. And I think it's really important. It's really dire because it's breaking a lot of stuff down. And I've had people like, how can you talk about millennials that way? Millennials are a demographic and I don't, whatever, whatever, whatever. And it's like, I'm not saying, I'm not saying go be a gross hipster and live in a cave and give up all your worldly possessions. It's just everything in moderation, just mm -hmm. everything in moderation forever. So the way I compensate, like I, um, I was a, a dancer kid, like growing up in Vegas, um, dance class was just like my personal escapism. It was my break from school and parents and people and pressures, like nothing else mattered when I was in dance class. So as an adult for me, group, group physical activities is the best because I have to, um, now as an adult, I do, um, I do a lot of Muay Thai kickboxing. Um, I was in an MMA gym for a couple of years. Mark Muniz's gym in Orange County doesn't exist anymore, but, um, I did jujitsu for a hot minute, which I don't recommend if you're a voice actor, because when you're practicing chokes, you can get your throat bruised and that's bad. Mm, yeah. Uh, so I was like, cool. Well, I know how to rear naked choke somebody now, but, um, can't do it because of my li livelihood. It's just not worth the risk. Um, so I forced myself to go to a kickboxing gym and, that one, I'm out of the house. I'm not in front of the computer. I'm not like mindlessly YouTubing or something. I'm mm -hmm. wearing a, I'm wearing pants and bra. I have to be around people. I have to be physically present because if I fall asleep, I'm gonna get punched in the face. Like if you're holding, <laughs> right. right? If you're holding pads for somebody and you're not, and you snooze, you're gonna hit yourself in the face and knock yourself out and look like an idiot. Um, <laughs> I have to learn people's names when I partner with them. Hi, I'm Frida. What's your name? So nice to meet you. If I go there regularly, they become my friends, and then I go to their fights, and then we have a relationship, and like that. That is my extracurricular that I force upon myself because I know I need to be a person. Um, mm -hmm. Like uh, advice that you hear pretty often from from actors when they're like, <sighs> the question when the question is anything about like how can I be a better actor, you often get this kind of new agey, what the hell is this answer of like just be a better person. Well, what does that mean? Actually, what it means is that, and I think this applies to just human beings. Your life can't be hundred percent about your job. Mm -hmm. Then it also can't 100% be about um, your your family and relationships at home. You have to have like a little a little corner that's been cut out for you and your interests and live your life. Meaning, like if I spent if I spent all my time um, reading about, researching, talking about voice acting, for example, which is an incredibly niche specific job, my my life and my scope of the world would be very limited. If I'm not mm -hmm. indulging in like world events, the news, other people's perspective, other people's lives, going outside and, and doing something that has nothing to do with voice acting. I bring that back and it enriches my anything I do to enrich my personal life enriches my ability to do my job. I just had this. I mean, just yesterday I had um, uh, a game audio hangout with a hang. I um, try to organize um, local game audio people and lateral relationships to just come hang out every so often. And I was just talking to a buddy of mine. Um, who has been incredibly successful in business. He's also a programmer. So he's like getting flown out to work for all these startups and just like rolling in it, rolling in it, rolling in it, rolling, which is great. Mm -hmm. And I think like through your 
from the time you get out of high school through your mid thirties and you hit your first crisis, um, if you're ambitious, you do, you are a salary chaser, a title chaser, a ladder climber, all that stuff. Cause you want to do well. Um, that's also when you go through your first divorce, like I have. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you kind of come out of it in your early to mid thirties being like, wait, what do I, what do I want? What makes me happy? What do I, what am I really getting out of this? Once you've, once you've made your, um, your pay grade. And so my friend was saying, you know, I haven't, I haven't asked myself what I like to work on and what makes me happy in probably a decade. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm fine on the money front. So I'm just going to stop for a second. And, um, you know, what? I'm going to make some music for me. I might make even make it like a little indie game for me. I'm good. And when the money runs out, turn on the faucet again and just be like, I'm up for hire again. A lot of directors work that way. Um, David Lewandowski, who's a buddy, he, if you ever saw on YouTube, um, a couple goofy videos called walking to the store and late, late for meeting, which is, a mm-hmm. it's like crazy, broken, crazy, broken animation. Um, David is a compositor for film. Like he worked on, um, the Tron legacy film. He's also a commercial director. He will do commercial work for money and then turn off the faucet and be like, I'm not accepting more work. I got to do stuff that makes me happy. Mm, and, well, that, that and, that, and then he comes back refreshed to do the commercial work, not hating it and not resenting it because he forced a balance of like what what makes me happy, what what is what is fulfilling me as a person and what is giving me a better, more realistic view of the world versus my, you know, my what's going on in the four walls of my office where I eat, sleep, do email, mm. do everything in front of the computer. You know, it's bad when every single meal is in front of the computer, right? <laughs> yeah, it's not good. Like, not good mentally. Yeah. But we're all guilty of it. Like once yeah. in a while is fine, but when that's your when that's your nine to five, you know, five to seven days a week, that's bad. And we're doing it en masse as a as a population. So that's just make like, me want to read the same uh, sorry uh, book. It's and together great. alone, the other one you said, right? Uh, together alone, or yeah. alone together rather, okay. alone together with one. And I believe I believe um, the author is a like a. Um, MIT or Rochester Institute of Technology, one of those two, like, you know, doctorate researcher people. And she she also has like a millennial daughter. So she talks about technology affecting her. But she she does that book covers everything from like our relationship with um, children becoming dependent on Tamagotchis (laughs) to, uh, you know, the way social media breaks down. Uh, Like she talks about she interviews teenagers who talk about the thought of deleting Facebook feels like death, feels like actual online death. Um, because they would cease to exist in their circle of friends, even though they see them every day at school. It's like, well, but if you're not online, you're no, you're nobody, you don't exist. And, and especially at that precarious age of, of early adolescence, all you're seeking is validation. All you're seeking is, is attention and to belong and to feel like, and to feel like if you weren't there, you would be missed. I'm so to take yourself. I'm 37 almost. And that's all I want is validation. Yeah, that, I mean, that never stops for most people. Um, want, being happy with yourself and accepting who you are. Like, you know what? Like, step first step of being a, a good actor, too, is is accepting that you are enough because you're a person. And, and of, like, there's there's no there's no rest of that conversation or that statement. I am enough because I'm a human being. The end. Mm-hmm. I'm enough because I'm me. I'm, I'm I deserve to be here. I'm good enough to be here. I'm worthy of this audition. Like, um. Like in the case of Mass Effect, you know, giant freaking multi-million dollar established beloved ravenous rabid fan base. How do you mm-hmm. feel about taking that on? It's like and like being compared to Jennifer Hill, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, well, I don't think about that stuff because one, it's physically impossible for me to be Jennifer Hale. So I'm not going to try to be Jennifer Hale because that would be strange and weird. And I would fail at it horribly because I'm not her. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to replicate her performance because it's a different character. So I'm also free of that weight. 
So, um, and I can't show up to work uh, every day beating myself up about like, oh, I'm not good enough to be the protagonist of this game. I just, because in the back of my head is always buzzing. Hey, hey, we got five, we got four hours to get these lines done. So right. are you going to sack right. up and do it? Or are you going to get fired? You pick. Okay. So it's it's like, yeah, every VO job for me is like life or death of like, look, either you can sack up and do it now or you can walk out and say, I'm sorry, I'm not competent. I, I swear I can just listen to you're so infi- insightful, Frida. Like everything you say is super interesting for me, and I'm sure Matt too. Matt's Matt's trying to make it in the voice acting, and I could just I can just sit here and listen. I've I've listened to like three of your interviews, and I drift away, and I just it I just love everything you have to say. It's it's, it's so flattering. Thank you. I hope it's useful because I know I talk a lot of a lot of garbage. Extremely useful. useful. No, it's extremely useful. Yeah, absolutely. Things I'm I'm not even thinking about, and you'll you'll talk, start saying something, and then you'll go into other stuff that I'm like that. I didn't even think about that part. You know, it's like all the stuff that should be obvious, like you were talking about. You know how the, sh- the shit rolls downhill if you, if a, if, a, if adults bullying their kid, the kid's gonna bully another kid, and blah blah blah, and so on and so on. And you, you st- when you start thinking about that stuff and, and how are people treating people online, you know, what's going on in their, in their real life. And some people just don't give a shit. Some people are like, fuck you, fuck off. They don't really look into that. I think it's great that you actually look into stuff like that and uh, you're knowledge and you just you see it. You see it for what it is. And that's freaking awesome. And I could I could sit here and just listen to all the stuff you have to say all day. Uh, Matt, Matt's a different story. I, don't, I really don't. I just brought Matt here because he does a big podcast. I want to use his name. His name He's not. We're not really friends. Uh, I just. I know if I let him go, because he's one of those guys I want to block. But if I let him go, he might actually make it big, and I can't say like I'm Matt's friend. Dude, we talk every day. I'm hurt. <laughs> yeah, because I have to. Keep, I like. I got to remind you, I'm here. I need validation, Matt. See, but that's you projecting. That's you saying, I'm not good enough to be your friend. I'm not good enough to be here. But guess what? You are here and you are his friend. See, I'm conducting therapy right now. That's how good I am. Uh, if, you, if, you go to enough, if you go to enough therapy where you have a third person outside of your tiny scope of your worldview work you through your garbage and you read enough books, you, you, can, you can peek your eyeballs out of treading water for like half a second and see stuff. And it's, it's useful. No, nobody's perfect at it, but you do, you do absolutely need a third person a third person, unbiased, not involved party to call you on your shit. Everybody does. Hmm, yeah, and it's really that. hard too. It's really hard to listen to. That's why, like, that's why um, nobody likes a friend who points out their faults. Everyone wants to surround themselves with people who make them feel better. Yeah. Do I make you feel uh, better, and- Matt? Uh, after up until recently, yes. <laughs> <laughs> up until ten minutes ago, I'm just joking. Yeah, that's Matt's one of those guys that i'm like matt dude fucking friend i used to get his back on that other podcast he was talking about i'd be like matt dude what's going on are they is this is this like like a, a shtick is this improv is in skin i always thought it was a it was a it was a joke you guys ran with and and then uh i start getting angry because matt's my buddy man Matt's my buddy don't, don't fuck with the canadians because yeah no we'll get our beavers and moose on you matt will apologize to you when he's like, if you say something fucked <laughs> up to him, he'll apologize me. to you. Like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry you feel this way. Okay, so I, Frida, I, uh, oh, go ahead, Matt. We'll, we'll wrap it up right now. Well, I, I before I, I just want to get this in. There's a line you go say, and it's because I was playing Mass Effect on super hard, and I kept repeating the scene. But you say something like, "Let's stay frosty," and I kept I laughed on that line every single time, and that was like my favorite line from the whole game. Right now is. Come on, guys! Something cold, cold, cold. Let's stay frosty. Like, 
Anyways, I just wanted to put that out well, there. Y'all know I have zero to do with the writing, so all the all the corny, horrible, <laughs> painful puns. That was super can, corny. I'm sorry. <laughs> you can just... write your hate mail to Bioware of like puns. Really? Why? Well, because they make people laugh. Ugh, they're awful. They though. make people laugh, but it was such like it was a tense like we're storming the base. This is it, guys. And it's just writers like, come on, everyone, let's stay frosty. I'm like, all right. I like so it. me projecting, I freaking hate puns. I hate puns so much. I hate them. I hate myself when I make them. I hate, yeah. I hate puns. And so, so I just, you know, like I have to, <laughs> I have to read those lines. Like, I mean, and so I just, I just want to make sure that you feel my pain. So hopefully there was some I... contempt in that line reading. I think <laughs> after, after I heard it 10 times, <laughs> it was Ho- just, hopefully yeah. my pain was conveyed and you felt my pain. Definitely. Well, I super appreciate it. I got a glimpse inside the actor's studio and that's exactly what I needed right now. So I appreciate that. Yay! It's so weird playing the game now more knowing that I talked to you, but I think I'll maybe I, I wonder if you can switch your genders halfway through the game. Can you do that? No. That should be I an will option, say, though, like Sarah's pretty far removed from me. I've, I've sat on the couch next to my husband yeah. playing as Sarah. And I mean, he said a few times, he's like, man, that's just not you at all. <laughs> that's Sarah. Sarah's completely separate. His friends have been like, so is it really weird when then like your wife is like having sex and making out with the aliens? And he's like, it's not my wife. It's Sarah. That's Sarah Ryder. Yeah. And she, I mean, <laughs> even, um, even listening to the game and stuff, it's very very far and uh, apart from the stuff it's like where i had to be you know nicer than i am or than i'd want to be um she's just because it's someone else's story and someone else's words um you know she says things that i wouldn't say or does things i wouldn't say or picks directions that i wouldn't that i frida wouldn't do um but that's fine because my job isn't to be myself it's just to be real and to be honest it's like that's a very it's a very fine line that I'm not sure people would pick up on right away, the difference between being real and being yourself. So if I'm hired for a commercial, for example, they they want me, Frida, shooting the shit about this thing unless they're having me play a character. Then I'm allowed to be myself because they've hired me based on my natural, inherent gut reactions to this thing. Mm-hmm. Versus if I'm playing a character, I have to give myself over and and be that character. But I have to be real and honest about it. And still and still put it through my process or my filter of like, well, how would I feel if these things are happening to me? But I'm this character who's been through this stuff. So like with Sarah, it was immediately like, okay, well, how would I feel if um, I lost my mother to a terminal illness and I was a military brat and my dad was like Mm -hmm. this really rigid, emotionally distant person and on and on and on. And like, that's the best way I can explain people or interviews early on. They're like, so what's the voice like? Well, the voice is the voice is me if I if I had gone through all that stuff. Right. which doesn't necessarily make sense to a non-actor like what but like no like is it like is it a funny voice or is it a lower voice um the the i mean if you want to put a button on this the if anyone's listening and and they're interested in becoming a voice actor the the most disappointing answer that you're going to get the most when you ask people what well i want to do voices they're going to say well you have to be an actor and that is the truth. You have to be a great actor to be a voice actor because it's not about doing the voices. You do the acting first and then the the voice is the result of that. You do not lead with the sound. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you're just making sounds with your mouth, but there's no feeling behind it. It's just not real. Awesome. All right. One last question, then we'll, we'll, we'll get out of here. Okay. So in BioWare's famous for the, the, for the uh, character creators, making your own character and... 
I think personally, the one I made is actually one of the better ones I've seen. Like I spent a lot of time. I don't leave the character creator till I'm like, okay, I'm going to marry that chick, right? I don't leave until she looks good enough for me to marry her. But <laughs> I'm sure for you, you get like, you, you get tons and tons of posts of here's my Sarah Ryder. And sometimes they just look funny. Is it weird to like see so many different variations of a character that's supposed to be your character in a game? I think it's it's awesome. I mean, I'm I'm so pleased that people are sharing their their creations with me because I can see the extent of of what, you know, of how people are pushing the character creator. I also think it's important like again, that's that's tied into a power fantasy. If you want to play a power fantasy, you also want to you also want to be Buffalo Bill and be like, I'd, I'd fuck myself. But like, do you, have to be, do you have to be attracted to yourself all the time to be a character that's valid and worthy of having a story? Like, do you have to find yourself sexy? Isn't that kind of weird? Um, like me personally, like Tom and I did that one one promotional video skit on on the Bioware YouTube page where which we, is hilarious, which is where funny. we did um, a day in the studio and all that. Yeah. And I immediately got backlash because people complained to the manager because I didn't give them erections. Me, Frida Wolf didn't give people boners. Sorry. Um, and well, because they were like, she's ugly. Uh, she's fat. She's thicker than the Sunday paper. These are my favorites. My favorite says she's thicker than the Sunday paper. She looks like a gender studies major, which is amazing because I don't have any higher learning <laughs> degrees. So that's really flattering that I look like a college major, like I have a college degree. Thank you so much. Um, uh-huh. And uh, the most common one, she looks like a feminist. Gross. <laughs> what? Um, so it's very interesting to me that a lot of these men, that a lot of these boys and men were so angry and aggressive because I because they couldn't masturbate to me. So they're like they were, you know, complaining to the manager of like, I demand a refund. I demand to speak to someone in charge. I should get a boner at all times from any woman oh, I see on my God. screen. Whether it's she's my right as a man to get it's a my boner. Right as man to have as many boners as possible. <laughs> and right now you are killing my boner, ma'am. Um, so I've had a, I've had to deal with a lot of that. Uh, wow, in, in the same way, I think it's it's perfectly valid and interesting to get um, a protagonist out of writer that out of mass effect that isn't necessarily someone that you want to put it in because that you should first of all if you want to put it in everyone you see you have a problem that's just that's too much um but like i don't know my brain right now is going immediately to like say you have a D game uh and you're all composing your characters and like making your character sheets and like describing what your character looks like and stuff do you all want to be the suspiciously hot troop all the time like are you a group of barbies yes all the, like are I you do. are you the bar- fantasy barbie league or you know do you permit do you permit some of the characters to be a little off like do you permit a dwarf in there who's got a lot of warts and a beard with you know bird shit in it do you permit um a fat ogre do you permit any of those characters to be female even if you even if they're not going to give you boners, even if they're not there for your sexual pleasure as a heterosexual man, do you even allow that or is that too upsetting? So, I mean, I, me as a woman in real life and as a woman in in fiction have to be on the receiving end of of that disgust and upset. <laughs> so, I need my GPS voice to give me a boner, to be quite honest. A lot of people do. I mean, like Neil, Neil Preston, like started a thread a while back. It was like, why, why is it that in every sci-fi film, the voice that tells you the reactor is going to blow up is a woman? The reactor is going to blow. Right. Like hard. 
And I, <laughs> I, first, I felt compelled to get in there and I replied to him, well, a woman brought you in this world. A woman can take you out. And people were like, oh, and like retweeted that, whatever. Um, but I do think it's because like one usually and whoever's in charge is male. Um, and they want to hear someone sexy. You're going to die sexily. Your toast Ooh. is ready. I am. <laughs> yeah. Alexa. How I love you. How hot do you want it? Yeah. Alexa. Hey, uh, so, hey, to answer your question, uh, the ugly writers are just as valid. And like Bio- Bioware so desperately wants you to have all the options available to you. And then they're like, look, if you want to make it look like your character's got the mumps, go crazy. Mm-hmm. Go nuts. Whatever. Like you they, they made that available to you. I don't think that's a necessarily bad thing. I think that just allows allows for variety. Because look, the the result, the the resulting symptom of of a society or a group that that thinks or cares about other people's beauty standards or expectations is come to LA where so many mostly women have carved out the same face for themselves, mm-hmm. have all gone to the same surgeons and asked for the same noses and the same foreheads and the same eyebrows and whatever, and they all look the goddamn same. And then you go to casting calls, which are known as cattle calls here for like um we need a blonde. And you walk in a room and there's 15 other women who look just like you. And Mm. you have to somehow prove to them why you deserve this job more than the others who look just like you, who also have the same face. That's got to be difficult. Um, Yeah, I don't. I mean, I'm relieved. Like, in my head early on when I started dipping my toes and, like, I just thought very quickly. I'm like, I don't want to do on camera. Um, So my friend Baron, who I mentioned earlier, um, Baron is black. Um, He's thin. He's very, he's very cerebral, intellectual, nerdy. He wears a lot of sweater vests and cardigans and, um, the way we would spend time together, like we've been, we've been really close since we were kids in high school and it's been, um, a real joy for me to see his career explode. And we would spend days together where I would drive up from Orange County to LA and I would spend the day with him, driving him around to auditions and then to do comedy shows at night and then we would hang out and have long talks at the end of the day. And I did this um, over the last 10 years on and off, maybe once or twice a year. I would accompany him to catacalls where either we go into a creepy white hallway in, in, in a random office building and the same five black guys are there at every audition. The same like him, nerdy, tall, thin guys or black guys who can be nerdy. And then it's like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> they all know each other. Yeah. Um, like he and Donald Glover would go up for a lot of the same things because really? scope was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, because like, well, we need a yeah. black nerd. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's only five of us that you'll let in because they make the scope so, so specific. Um, or to, uh, stuffy, stuffy waiting rooms. Like I took him for like a phone commercial, stuffy waiting room full of like, uh, 25 year old redheaded boys and, uh, 20 middle aged brunette women who look normal and are like quote plump and, yeah. you know, f- uh, 10 other nerdy black guys, all of whom he knows it's gross. It's a, it's a total meat market. And, um, mm-hmm. it's very personal cause you can be rejected for having an arm that's too fat or something mm-hmm. insane. <laughs> um, and so for me very early on, I just thought about like, who do I want to be? Do I want to be do I want to be like a blank canvas every woman actor or do I want to be Danny Trejo? Fuck that. I want to be motherfucking Danny Trejo because yeah. you know what? Danny Trejo gets hired to be Danny Trejo. Yeah, Danny exactly. Trejo is immutably, unapologetically fucking Danny Trejo in everything he does. And he right. loves it. He has a great time. He has a, he has a well-known um, good work ethic. He's a delight to work with. So he works his ass off. 
Mm-hmm. And and it's fine. Um, so I just thought, well, like, be like Danny Dreho. Know who you are. Be confident. Be comfortable in who you are. And people can accept it or not. Yeah. And when you want me, I'll be here. And when you don't, thank you very much. Um, and that's worked out well for me, apparently, because I've, I mean, once I once I started auditioning, I haven't really stopped working. Yeah, because awesome. because you're amazing at what you do. And first off, uh, Frida, you are. You are a very attractive woman, and you always have the most kick-ass hair. Always, oh, thank you. you've always well, got fucking. Hair. And there's like Twitter accounts called Frida's Hair, right? Do you run that, or is somebody else to run no, that? No, no. I was at the salon <laughs> awesome. my hair done, and suddenly Frida's hair appears out of nowhere, and I'm just showing my hairdresser. I'm like, look at what you've done. That's uh, awesome. My new life goal is to have a Twitter account don't dedicated to my hair. It's so bonkers. The side of the wall is bonkers. Look, I'm a hairy Latina. I can't kill it fast enough. That's hilarious. Whatever time I've spent getting rid of body hair, I've spent trying to (laughs) maintain my head hair. So, I mean, I can do do whatever cut and color, and it doesn't matter because it's just going to come back and destroy me anyway. I've never understood what hair is for. The second, ever since I was a kid, ever since it touches my neck, I'm like, ah, who wants a neck cape on purpose? This is awful. This is awful. Um. So, yeah, that's a deal with my hair. So, thank you. Thank you for the compliments. I appreciate it. It's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I, I think I follow that Frida, Frida's hair account for the fuck of it. But that's, that's, oh, that's, that's, that's amazing. That's amazing. So, I want to say thank you, Frida. This has been, like, really, mm-hmm. really insightful, interesting. I, I love it all. You know, I'm bit, like I've said a hundred times, uh, Mass Effect Andromeda has become my my favorite out of the out of all four of the games that are out there, I'm not saying that it's better than the original tri- trilogy. I'm just saying it is my favorite, and uh, it's because of all the voice acting and just it's well, obviously it's a big open world game. I spent 100 hours. I heard so much Frida. I heard so much of your voice. <laughs> like it's like it's 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 awesome. It's so yeah. so awesome. I, I love it, and uh, I know Matt felt the same way. That's why I invited him on. Uh, Matt, you are you are my friend. I hope, and uh, and we'll talk. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll talk about that. Yeah, let's 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 keep it like on the DMs, all right? And uh, yeah, this this has been an awesome awesome time. Anything else you want to say, Matt, before we do the wrap up part? No, just uh, echoing what you said. I think it's uh, for me. It's been it's huge hearing you talk. So uh, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah. You gotta, uh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, go for it. Are there two other games in the Mass Effect trilogy? <laughs> Are do you are you recording lines for Mass Effect and Drama to two right now? Well, I mean, like, look, you can look at people's Twitter accounts before you ever consult me. I'm looking at Bioware's Twitter accounts, and people have talked about they've moved on to other projects or they're finally on vacation, taking time off. Um, so you know what I know. I mean, Bioware, most game companies are smart and they keep actors in the dark. So when we say I don't know, we mean it. I don't know. I really it's okay. don't. Know. It's okay. Don't worry. Uh, turn off the recording for a okay, sec. It's, it's off. It's off. It's okay. Okay, come uh, on. Yeah, I've been working. I've been, been doing booth, lines. Right? I've been doing yeah. lots of lines. Mass Effect Andromeda. We call it Chapter Two. Chapter, chapter Two. two. <laughs> no, um, no idea, guys. You know what There's I know. And, and Bioware, Bioware would have let the public know way before they ever. I mean, look, look. Actors are just contractors. We're not on the ground. We don't work at the studio. We're we don't get the company emails. Um, we're just hired hands for whenever we get called in to do work. So you at know the what same I know. Time like if they're gonna do a second in drama, it's pretty much you've got to be involved, right? You'd get an email saying, "Hey, what's your timetable like over the next year?" <laughs> yeah, you would think. Yeah, I mean that's that's yeah. that's how it starts. You get your <laughs> agent gets an email, and then you get an email saying, "So what's your availability for the next blah blah blah?" And you're like this, and then you hear back, or you don't. I don't know. Well, I mean, I you know, keep your fingers crossed. And uh, with you on an upcoming effect. 
Uh, the developers would love to hear everything you've told me as far as like what you enjoyed. So they they certainly don't mind the tweets of of appreciation. Okay, I will do that. I I I feel the game kind of got a stupid bad rap because that facial animation stuff, and some people might have passed it over stupidly. But I think it's one of the tightest games out there. That and Horizon Zero Dawn. I think they're it's been a good year for games, and I I just hope people pick this game up and don't listen because. I'm going to get off on a tangent, but the, the, what I hate right now is every time a game comes out, there's a vocal minority who finds something to shit on, and that might turn other people away from it. And I feel Mass Effect Andromeda kind of got hit with that, with the the, the voice lip syncing stuff. So I'm just really hopeful. And I that, didn't even notice it, dude. I played. I did not notice no. any weird animations. Every once in a while, there'd be like a firefight, and you'll see like the. I noticed a couple of times. extra smiley, I, I, but nothing yeah, that but, turned me off ever. So I'm gonna get angry. I, I, I'm gonna get angry. I really think it's a solid game. Yeah. yeah. Pe- people. Oh, like I said, if if people are going through a bad time in life, they're gonna find something to furiously masturbate their hate <laughs> to. And if it happens to be Mass Effect, that we next week it's gonna be some other game, and the week after that, some other game, and it'll be something else, and something else, something else, something else. And that's that's just people working out their stuff. Don't have you don't have to take it personally. Or you can, but then you'll be furiously masturbating how much you hate them. It's like, oh, I hate you so much. You're so mean. <laughs> President of the United States, and you'll launch a <laughs> missile attack. <sighs> yeah, you'll just be on Twitter forever, getting yourself ah, off how much attention you're getting for being yeah. shitty. Spread some positivity, you guys. Play Mass Effect. Share your uh, screenshots with Frida. Positive shit. Like, let's be positive, man. Let's be positive. Yeah. Let's help yes, this indie please. game get up, get to the recognition <laughs> It's okay to be this honest and be negative, game. but it's not okay to bash shit because it's not what you want. I mean, it's obvious when you play Mass Effect, you're like, it's what they. It's not what they wanted, but it's not because it's a bad product at all. Like I'm saying, it's my favorite favorite one. I could. I was so pissed off that it ended. I I ran out of shit to do, and I just I I'm I'm angry. Then I had to play another game, and I wasn't ready for that. I felt so sad. I was like, oh, it's over. <laughs> Well, speaking of pissed off, if I don't help my wife make dinner, oh, your wife, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I'm to be. All right, you guys, you guys, <laughs> let's get to the wrap. Let's get to the wrap. Hey, yo, Freeman. Yo, what's up, Iams? Dude, what's left to do? I don't know, man. Wrap it up, son. As far as stuff that's announced, uh, please play and buy Paradigm. I'm super proud of that game. It's an indie point-and-click adventure made by one child in Australia, Jacob Generica, who's like 25 years old, maybe, um, who's never made a game before, living at home with his parents. Please buy the game so he can move out and and be a a full-grown man and make the next game. Paradigm is super, super awesome. It's a very creative, gorgeous, well-thought-out, post-apocalyptic, eastern block world. I'm a bunch of voices in it um <laughs> that poor kid so not only um is he responsible for everything except for music and audio although jacob did take on some some uh, some of those responsibilities he's also the vo of the protagonist so we uh, he related to me he's like i didn't do as many lines as you in, in mass effect but oh boy that thing about having to sound interested every time i encounter a new thing that's hard I'm like yes it's very hard <laughs> uh, so yeah. one of the few people who understands uh, so play Paradigm, uh, support indie games. Uh, also, um, I'm in Quake Champions from it, which is it's in closed beta right now. Um, it's being rela- released later this year. Uh, they let me be two characters. I am Nyx, who is the stealthy, stealthy, leather, sexy lady with blue hair. Um, and I am Slash, who is the rollerblading, um, mohawk, tattooed lady. Um, that's just like your sound. Uh, it's just like well, it's the difference. 
they're like, what's your range? It's like, I can be stealthy and sexy. Or I can fit in your face, whatever. And that's, <laughs> you know, backwards hat and crossed arms and all. Um, yeah. So Nixon Slash and Quick Champions. And I wish I could say more. The pain in the butt with, with voice actors is like, what what you're working on versus what is out. By the time stuff comes out, we forgot we worked on it. The, the shortest turnaround for any animated anything ever I've ever done is a year and a half. Wow. after recording so by the time something comes I'm like oh I, I worked on that oh I worked on that huh uh, so I'm in I'm in um, like three animated shows right now that oh, cool. I can't talk about because they're not even going to be available to watch till sometime next year so I'll talk about them then I can't wait uh, really super super lucky hashtag bless Dan Harmon no that would be bonkers that would be crazy yeah that would be so now I'm just like Grass is greenering. Because that would be because wouldn't that be so cool? But it's not up to us. Like any any voice actor will tell you, any any job we get, it's we we win the lottery, which is why you have to take every job very seriously and, and do every audition. And yeah, do yeah. well, do every. Mm, I I don't do audition. I have I've reached the point where like if some first of all if like if the pay isn't good enough, like worth yeah. my time, especially in the non-union world, and it's like okay, I'm not going to give you my time when I could have made union minimum wage um, and then also just like like I was saying earlier if you have a judgment on the script it's going to come out if you don't mm. like it and like for product services or script like if I find a script to be like really demoralizing or like just just really gratuitous um, in whatever manner that like puts a bad taste in my mouth I just I can't do it because I know I can't I can't go in the booth and like sincerely act like I like it anymore because it's like okay we're past that point i've read this and i don't like it so i'll just the best thing you can do is delete that don't waste other people's time if you're not into it it's like look me with my relationship analogies if you go on a date with someone you already know you don't like don't do it don't go do on. it and don't lead them on or like don't do you know what don't apply for a job where you're like well i need to work and i need the money but like you have a really big problem with the company or the work or the job or like someone in the interview rubs you the wrong way don't do it because you're only hurting yourself and you're only making yourself upset and causing yourself stress so i should stop giving advice so we can go and you need me no this is so awesome but you know what matt uh to get you to get ready for your underwater thing i'll fly up to canada and i'll I'll waterboard you get a bring a towel and some water i gotta be at the moment right so yeah i want you to get used to like drowning and all that that feeling that you know that panicky feeling oh but frida you're uh Twitter account and all that stuff, or any other oh, yeah. uh, social media? Uh, everything is my name. My name is weird enough, so I don't try to make it harder for people to find me. Um, Twitter is my name, Frida Wolf, F-R-Y-D-A-W-O-L-F-F, and so is my website, FridaWolf.com. Uh, if you have questions about how to be a voice actor, I've probably already answered them. You can go look at my blog, or ask me a new one if I haven't already answered it. I'm going to pick your brain a little bit, probably. And so. go for it. Frida's <laughs> hair. Or you can follow my hair. Actually, that person, that person, that artist contacted me and said, hey, just I deleted the account. I don't feel weird because they felt I, I don't remember something about like they felt strange about it. But it was a good it was a good laugh. Don't worry. I'm sure it'll come back because yeah. every six weeks I go in and do something new with it. Awesome. Uh, Matt, go ahead and plug your uh, social media, Alrighty. brother. Yeah, just at Matt McFly, M-A-T-T-O-M-C-F-L-Y. Um, and got Facebook, but that's not really a thing I want to put out there. Okay. And, uh, no sleep podcast you guys listen to no, the sleep, no sleep podcast, podcast. it's huge it's yeah. huge uh personally i love doing it so yeah check that out in zombie cast but i already did those 
Yeah, so all, all that stuff is great. Um, my name is Sean. You guys all know that. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, check me out on ZombieCast. I was on the last episode, episode 247. I was on there. It was pretty fun. And uh, Everything is Awesome podcast with Kevin Gallagher, episode 62. I did that, so go check me out over there. Uh, but, you know, also shout out to uh, Ryder Shepard. I don't know if you're aware of this account. I'm pretty sure you are, Frida. Uh, she um, She's very positive, and I, I actually chat with her a lot on uh, Twitter. She always, you know. Cool, cool shit. All Mass Effect, um, usually the topic is the cool. topic, but very cool. <laughs> Horribly Awkward is on the Hush Your Face Network, so check that out. Along with all the other stuff, go to hushyourface.com and find me on Twitter at awkward underscore podcast or at they call me Ims is my personal account. And I will let everybody go. As Gidget would say, Peace out, bro. Hey, it's the S to the M. To the islamicans in the house to so drop your listen Poor with glee backward cock flies merrily sock bird telling cat destiny doctor down cat callously squandered lamb heavenly slaughtered broadcast it's the horribly awkward podcast do I say wolf well, I just have an extra F, so. Wolf for extra fun? Yes. <laughs> wolf. Frida Wolf! Okay, so um, I always start, uh, I start every podcast. At, did you do any research? This is what I need to know. Did you do any research? Did um, I do research on you? Yes, on the podcast. Did you like click any links? You know what's cracking right now? What's oh, gonna... I I can't I can't be bothered. I'd rather be surprised. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, so prepare to be surprised. Yeah. Well, uh, it's not. I'm not as weird as you might think. But yeah, I do start every episode off. We do improv, which is like an improv skit. Which um, I'm kind of nervous because I know I heard on an interview you actually did improv. Well, I just did classes. Like I know no one's paid me to do it. I paid people to let me do it which is different well i mean i haven't even done that only all thing is i know is i pretend like i know what i'm doing every week <laughs> that's it that's part of the game <sighs> yeah it's fun so yeah we do an improv skit that's like the icebreaker and then after that it's just talking <laughs> cool <clears throat> my name is matt bradford uh and matt, and this guy matt here yeah we brought him here because you're gonna teach him a little something about voice acting because this guy thinks he wants to be a voice actor and he may be a voice actor but do commercials he does commercials for uh what is it uh ashley madison Xbox? ashley madison ashley madison uh what's the other one um uh cialis <laughs> <laughs> okay that's a specific demographic <laughs> 40 year olds <laughs> no i'm I, i'm doing my first video game gig in a, in a month Congratulations! I'm gonna pick your brain. Yeah, thanks. I'm, uh, Look, if if someone's giving you money, you're you're a professional, professional. Period. But if someone's giving you money to voice act, then you are a professional voice no, actor. No, it's, so. it's a legit gig. I've been doing the the commercial stuff for a couple years, but I'm finally breaking into the stuff I want to do, which is awesome. Good. So I'll, I'm gonna pick your brain on that stuff. Sure thing. Matt, you're totally boring me right now because I already know all this shit. I, I don't know why I brought you on this podcast. Oh yeah, that's a horribly awkward show.